Follow us on Twitter at Show. We also have an inbox at Show at Gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages and reply to them, whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community, which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and bees. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a sing song here. All these thoughts running through my head. What's on fire? I'm burning red. I can't remember the rest of the lyrics. Shit. I was almost there. No. No. Ruined. Ruined. Tell no. how badly I fucked up the Devil Trigger cover I was going to do, but never mind. We are a technically a bad anime podcast, so I suppose that's on brand for us. Totally anyway, on cheers. Cheers. Happy Friday, everyone. I completely mm-hmm. fucked up the But that way, it can only go up from here. And indeed, well, we're going to be talking about Sarah's and my episode four and episode five today. Uh, one of which uh, is about a man getting murdered viciously and horrifically in the public eye, and the other is the Toy Sensed episode. Ah. I am, of course, Shaden, as usual. I am, you know, the resident alcoholic of this particular stream. Joining me, as always, from across the pond is the Soul Doctor. Uh, hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Uh, you may or may not can tell I'm still suffering the ill effects of a cold. So apologies for sounding different slash off. Um, <laughs> Emily says you're clearly pissed already, which is... Uh, I don't know. Can you can you make, confirm make, make or deny? <laughs> make, make that a poll. We'll leave it to the audience to yep, decide. Yep, is yep. Shaden drunken wreck? Yes. I mean, the bottle is mostly full. I will I will point out here. You can see mostly full. So not yet, but we'll see how of course the uh, stream progresses. I mean, when we get to discussing episode five, a lot of this is going to be down very quickly because I'm, I poured this one out for our boy Haraka, the poor lad, because. Oh, you know, boy. he did not. Haraka did nothing wrong. Make that a hashtag. Poor, poor sweet and his. I know. Well, of course. Poor sweet right? and child. Mean, so far, I mean, you never know what Ikuni will do. Like, you know, he'll <laughs> be revealed as this like evil mastermind in a couple of episodes. But no, for now, I mean, I just I don't think you can. Yeah, is our. No one's saying that, right? No one's like saying Haruka fucking sucks. Who's out there? Actually, Who's on that corner? I will fight you. I will the... fight you in the streets. I'm just saying. All right. So, yeah, we're doing a double build today. Um, 
we need to do some quick housework or housekeeping first. So, um, unfortunately, um, Vargelia is not here today, and she's asked that she leave doing Saren Sabai for the remainder of the season, just because of personal commitment she's got, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shame. I'm, I'm kind of glad that she's not going to be here, but we'll continue on anyway. Uh, she's not gone forever. We'll be back doing no. whatever we're doing for season six, presume, hopefully something terrible, because we keep doing good shows now. We need to get back to our roots of doing something fucking atrocious. <laughs> well, like... Well, I'm already doing that to myself, admittedly, but that's a different... Yeah, yeah, but for... Uh, on a grand scale, um, mm. we have been doing. We've been doing a lot of like good stuff lately, and mm. I mean, look, there's multiple ways we could get to this point, right? Like, whenever we reach a subscriber milestone, we do something shitty. Um, oh God! So, if people out there want to push our YouTube channel, it's it's at like three seventy six, three seventy seven. People mm-hmm. want to push that up to four hundred. Uh, yeah, we'll watch some shitty anime again <laughs> because get it, get get us up to four hundred, and we'll watch the Fies anime that's out at the moment. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, like, you're not game for that? Come on. What is it? You're not. It's just I don't know. It's literally just called something something Fies, and it's about girls with Fies. And I'm just like, well, oh, at least right. it's honest with itself. The, uh, yeah, the um, that won't be. Oh, that'll just be sad. That won't be like gleeful to make fun of. That'll just be like, oh. um, listen, yeah, okay. To be fair, yeah, uh, Ravensgale, we haven't done. We have already done a Garzy's Wing. That's not to say that a second Garzy's Wing episode could not be possible. Look, Garzy's Wing is a deep. The Bison Well is deep, and you can, you can just gain. Oh. I'm, Mm, taking it in right now, you can just gain so much from multiple dips into the well. There's so much there for you. To think that you could you could take from Garzy's Wing everything it had to offer in a single viewing is, you, dare I say, hubris. Madness! Have you fucking heard yourself? <laughs> have you fucking heard the words coming out of your mouth? Just... Right, let's pretend that Doc didn't say that. I know it's going to be on the archive later so people can clip it and point out to me that, you know, that, that he did say that. But I'm just going to, you know, blast it out of my brain. Probably with more booze, to be fair. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, Vargeli, unfortunately, will not be joining us for remainder yeah. of Saren yeah. Um But we'll continue on with it, as we usually do, you know, in our own thundering, plodding way. Uh, what else? Doc, do you have the polls from last time? Oh, I can pull those up right away. Yep. Uh, while Doc is pulling those up, I want to say something very quickly about the polls, which is we got quite a lot of engagement with the last three that were put out. Uh, we had like 50 plus responses. Uh, so to those of you who did respond to the polls, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to offer your thoughts on the episode. Uh, hopefully yep. we'll get similar engagement going forward, but it's always nice just to have people getting on it. Uh, some people picked some particularly uh, interesting answers. <laughs> and Also, one of the polls was actively disproven by episode five. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment when yeah. you bring them up. Okay, so here they are. Um, by the way, Shadon, is my. Do I sound. Not the cold, but just equipment wise. Do I sound okay? Am I sounding. Well, apart from the fact that you were suggesting you wait to rewatch the eyes this week, I think you sound perfectly fine. Okay. I'm just making sure yeah. that, like, I was. That my actual microphone was picking me up rather than my webcam mic, which sometimes happens. Like, I feel like mm. the first. One of our recent, so like about a month ago, did a stream 
accidentally into the webcam mic and it sounded terrible. But mm. um okay, polls. <clears throat> Here we go. Uh did you empathize with Entis' plight despite the bad things he does with regards to Kazuki? And ninety-two percent this is the the landslide of landslides said yes, he's just flawed. And uh, a very strict and stringent and uh you know law and order type eight percent of you folks said no no excuses mm. i will intercede on that and just say that like before i think that both answers are perfectly fair depending on where your moral compass lies there's no right or wrong on that one even though it was overwhelmingly in one direction so but that's the thing i like to gauge about this kind of stuff is you know when we get complicated characters like this who are on an ambiguity you know or an ambiguous moral area like where do, what do people think? You know, mm-hmm. you, 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 come in, you come here and you listen to me mouth off for two hours straight. What do you guys think? Let's get that instead. So, next. Is Azusa Sarah secretly the evil Lovecraftian overlord of the Otter Empire? Um, hmm. Hmm. Episode 5 gave some thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Let's play it that way. So, uh, 40% says... Uh, says... 40% say... <laughs> she's an evil dishu. So yeah. yes. When you said when you said says them, you were turning into like you know someone from a local council estate near where I live. You were getting really, really like you know common people from Britain there. <laughs> Careful, dog. That's gotta it's be catchy. bad. Uh, it is. Thirty-eight percent say uh, that's utterly ridiculous, and twenty-two uh, percent say it's actually Phil. God damn it. Um, which I support. Yeah. Yeah, twenty. Those people had the right answer. Those are so good on you. Th- those are people that have been with us for more than one season. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just waiting for Susan Sarah just to do the, you know, hello, it's me, Phil. How about <laughs> the zipper? Zip, yeah, <laughs> it's me, Phil, uh, uh, Lovecraftian lizard man. Um, oh, is she the? Of, there's got to be, by the way. There's got to be like an Otterman Empire joke in there somewhere, right? <laughs> I mean, it must. I can see like the beginning and the end, but I can't really see how to to get from. What well, was to it? Eight. Several hundred years long. <laughs> that, that, that's how long the Ottoman Empire went for. Exactly. Fuck my life. That's a pun and a half. Uh, Ravensgale. Just one thing I want to point out, Barry. If you're going to be cosplaying, if you're going to be cosplaying the Ottercops, you've got to get the dance in. You've got to get the, the you know, oh, yeah. the stage play that they pull off. It has to happen. So yeah, so yeah. Mm. Got to learn all those lyrics. That's. Fun. And I think we have, I think we have one more. I believe. One yep, more one more poll. Uh, is Haruka's paraplegia, paraplegia? Excuse me. The result of the sign falling in episode one, or has it been a lifelong issue? Here's another one that seems to have been disproven uh, mm-hmm. by the most recent episode. Uh, 67% said that it was the sign, and 33% said lifelong. Um, whether or not it's the sign, um, the, the lifelong theory, I think, has been debunked, uh, yeah, as we we'll talk about. it absolutely has. Yeah. Yeah, so those it are the polls. Uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for taking part in those. We'll have more coming up as the stream progresses and afterwards, so do keep an eye out on our Twitter. Uh, feel free to drop your own thoughts in on that. Anyway, without further ado, let's start with episode four. Um, because we're doing a double feature here today, I'm going to be carrying episode four on the summary. Mark will then be doing episode five, but I'll be chipping in 
Uh, I'm going to have to apologize in advance because given the compressed nature of this, uh, it's been kind of difficult to get both episodes rewatched in such a short amount of time. I basically came home, got my bottle of booze, got something to eat, got episode four rewatched, and then realized, oh shit, I'm out of time. Whoops. Yeah, that didn't go so well. So uh, on on course here, you know, for having a kind of a you know fun a fudding stream, but we'll give it a go. Okay. So episode four, episode four is the toy scented episode because we've already had the Kazuki one and we've had the Enter one, so mm-hmm. naturally it makes sense. And it starts with someone being murdered. So we're off to a flying star here. Zaranzamai, you know, don't give no fucks. He'll just do whatever. Uh, it suggests that his brother killed someone in what I presume to be a underground, like, you know, tunnel of some... I don't know what it is, what you call it. Right. Um, but that's the suggestion. While Toy was younger than he is now. And that seems to have, you know, scarred him since then. Much of this episode is Toy's own flashbacks about uh, how he came into the position he is with relation to his brother and the family situation that forced him to do the things they do. Oh, but that doesn't that, happen. Oh. You just reminded me, actually. Um, this episode was directed by Nobuyuki uh, Takeuchi. Um, mm. And I, that's, I feel like it's important to point it out because it does have a little bit of a different... I mean, it's not going to deviate too much because a lot of the episode will be blocked off for the kind of um, the sequences that have been repeating throughout. But, like, there's some differences here, like the flashback heaviness, how long the leakage scene was, uh, the use of music, things like that. And um, Takauchi, like, worked with Ikuhara on Penguin Drum. Um, ah. But I think that for me, he's um, more famous, in my mind, uh, for storyboarding and uh the first five episodes of bakemonogatari and directing uh sorry being the animation director for the i think the whole snail arc episodes three through five um regarding the other stuff on the cv you know he's got the kizu um the kizu stuff i mentioned the penguin drum um Wow, was a key animator on Ponyo. Uh, I did not, I was not aware of that. But yeah, um, mostly have heard of this guy for his excellent work on Bakemonogatari. Um, and I think he, he keeps up that uh, tradition of excellence here. I, I loved how this episode was slightly, and the next one too, I think, like sort of slightly different from what's come before. Mm. Yeah, um, I want to actually point out something very quickly about the direction in the immediate scenes following the opening beat. Mm-hmm. So, recall at the end of episode three, and yeah, I know we, we're kind of a bit late on this one, but of course that was the revelation that Haruka was paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the thing that is given most emphasis in the opening moments of this episode following the flashback? The wheelchair. The fact that there's a panning shot over what is essentially nothing in the family's house, but you get a almost sense of from the wheelchair ramp going up one of the stairs. So mm-hmm. I really fucking like this just as a like, you know, okay, here was the like the giant bombshell from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna let you forget about that. There are gonna be you know, things to brought up about that. Right. So that was excellent. Um so, of course, it's the family meal in the morning, and we've got Azuma Sara, you know, doing her usual shtick. Uh, she ha- turns out that Haruka is going to be going to a fan meet. 
uh, with Azusa Sarah happening immediately the day oh, after. <laughs> and uh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. And Kazuki, of course, finds out about this, and I think I've never I've never known a character in fiction to have like dropped such a gigantic shit in one go because of how like you know how screwed they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, he was probably taking notes from oh. Mrs. Doubtfire on how to handle this next, because yeah, he's boned, basically. He's done for. One thing to note, by the way, is or that... Or is he? Well... We'll see. We saw, we saw how that turned out. Yes. Um, spoilers, skipping ahead. <laughs> spo- spoilers ahead, everything goes horribly wrong, as you might expect. Dude. Uh, but, uh, one thing to note as well is that Kazuki is, of course even before the fan meet was even uh, like announced or arranged, he's not going with Haruka anyway. It's Enter who's going with it. Yep. So, again, keep that in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is indeed a Toya's Sense episode, and the plot is progressing in the background. So, we actually learn that Toya's living the Persona 5 MC lifestyle in the cafe <laughs> you know, attic. He's living in LeBlanc, or if LeBlanc was a sober shop. Uh, by the way, uh, Azusa Sarah's selfie of the day is sober, so uh-huh. you know, take she's self while he's sober. 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 And he's having a phone call with his brother while his brother is, of course, washing his dog and not torturing someone in the bathtub as we saw last time. Absolutely innocent, completely. Um, and it turns out that Kazuki, sorry, Kazuki, uh, Tai is, you know, dog gone. I want to point something out here that I'm going to say. Beautiful CG piece. <laughs> yes, but put a pin in that for legs. I want to talk okay. about that in more detail. Um, but they're essentially discussing, you know, I want to, why are you not living with me? You know, sorry I can never be by your side, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Still very distant from each other, as we've seen the previous episodes. Uh, but it looks like that uh, Toya, he's living with his uncle, I believe, or possibly his granduncle. It's not, yeah. I'm not quite sure, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. It's similar. I mean, I made the P5 joke, but the relationship is kind of similar, I suppose. Um, Do you think Enter it's going... has called him. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. I was just going to okay. like throw this out. Do you think it's going to turn out that none of the boys are living with their, like... Well, I guess Inta isn't really living with his parents either. It's his sister and his grandmother. We haven't seen whether the parents are there or not, but, like... Yeah, I guess none of the boys live with their biological parents. Mm. Well, this is, um, without getting too deep into this, is a talking point for later. Uh, again, like I've said in the Persona 4 stuff that we did previously, what is one of your biggest guiding, you know, influences in your life as you grow up? your immediate parents. Mm -hmm. And to varying degrees, the kids, as we'll learn in this episode and in episode five, particularly in relation to Kazuki, uh, they don't have stable, like, parental figures, really, I would argue. Or if they do, especially in the case of Toy, they're, uh, yeah, they're not the best. They're uh, deeply, deeply flawed individuals. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, Enser has come on over and he said, he's called uh, Toy out. And Yasin, will you give Kazuki your dish of hope? And if I ever believed Enter to be rock stupid, this was the moment that proved it, because you're asking Toy, the man who is a hardened career criminal, who, you know, <laughs> just, like, and if I ever believed Enter to be honestly, rock stupid, good attempt, good attempt, because you're asking Toy for effort, gold star and all that. But, no such luck. Uh, but in discussing this, um, Kazuki, uh, sorry, keep saying Kazuki, but I'm getting the names wrong around. Toy is reminded of a discussion or a conversation he had with his brother about the idea, you know, of the weak, you know, perishing and only the strong and the bad can survive. Um, Overlaid with a shot of, you know, various people queuing up into the shop who are completely faceless. 
you know, building on his idea that no one gives a shit about what's happening. So he goes and broods over, you know, the riverbed. And this is the point where Kazagi turns up, dressed in his Azusa costume, out of nowhere, runs up swim, hugs him, and says, oh yeah, totally fucking kidnapped uh, for me, by the way. I mean, what kind of batshit logic do you have to be operated on to think that's a good idea on any level? Well, first you're going to kidnap a cat. It's a slippery slope to kidnapping human yeah. humans. And we talked about before, like, kind of him being willing to hurt other people or... Um... Hello, everyone, by the way, people arriving in chat. Hi, hi. Uh, Kazuki being willing to, like, hurt other people to sacrifice their happiness for, like, the happiness of his own... Uh, his own self or his own brother. I mean, and we'll drill down more into like what exactly his motivations are as we go along. But yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly whether people like, I, I, well, let me back up. Clearly like the show is behind that. Like if yeah. you, th- if you thought like, Oh, the cat thing is just one thing, but Kazuki won't do anything really bad. It's like, no, like yeah. he's, he definitely uh, is like his moral compass is um, operating differently than I think yours or mine may do. It's spinning its circles, basically. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So, um, by the way, Kazuki, like not only is he dressed up as Zutara, but he's also actually imitating her mannerism mm-hmm. using the D at the end of it. Like, you know, um, so they visit the sober shop and this is the point where they get the selfie and uh, insert a moment in which, you know, it's like, you know, Questions is himself like, oh my god, might actually be cute. He's hot. <laughs> oh yeah. man, toy. So, so yeah, that moment's uh, I mean, great. When when he's that like, is pretty great. wow, wow, he's kind of hot. Wait a minute, what am I thinking? No, 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 no. Like, yeah. I love that bit. I mean, Kazuki says to Toy like, you know, I'll take Sarah's place after you kidnap her. And, <laughs> I mean. I haven't pointed this out before, but someone else has on Twitter, and I'm going to shamelessly steal that. I mean, like, you know, properly bring this up. Kazuki's outfit is a very poor imitation of the real thing. Like, it's, it's from a distance, if you happen to be, you know, rubbing Vaseline into your eyes, probably the same. But otherwise, there are subtle differences, not least of which is a lack of makeup as well. That one old guy in the crowd, though. <laughs> Next episode, <laughs> he didn't know. That's my grandkid. Yeah. <laughs> what did he yeah. say? Something and, like that? It's my granddaughter. <laughs> and to be fair to really? Haruka, Haruka's like eight or something like that. I mean, yep. come on. you know, When you go see Father Christmas when you're that young, you can't tell that it's just a random dude in a costume. So we can forgive Haruka for that. I mean, mm-hmm. like I say, no one gives, no gives Haruka shit in this show. Like, I won't hear it. I will not fucking hear it. Uh, but anyway, um, this is when we get a flashback at this point to Toy's past, where the sober shop that he lived in as a child before his parents died is now being sold, uh, presumably due to mobster debts. And this is when his brother is properly introduced to us. And to say he leaves a rather crappy impression is probably a bit of an understatement, because he seems to be a complete arsehole and b running the Jordan <laughs> Peterson, you know, the strongest, you know, cap- lord over the week playbook or some shit like that. Honestly, I got some serious fucking vibes from that that made me think he's just been watching too many YouTube videos. Are you talking about Toy's brother here? Yes. Mm. Yeah, you can see that. Um, yeah, um, like the the whole, like, 
bad people are the ones who survive because surviving is all that matters. I Alpha males. Ah, uh, I don't. I didn't read it as quite that. Um, but I'm it, joking. It, I'm saying this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. If we want to talk about Toy's brother now or later, it's up to you. Um, uh, probably later because there's more to discuss. Yep. More to give. Okay. Uh, this scene, by the way, again talking about direction, a lot of really close, real close-ups, like movements and objects, like. Toy's brother pulls out the uh, necklace of pearls his mother had to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toy himself says, I wish you died instead of them. Whew. I mean, he is 10, so I kind of, you know, understand that he doesn't get the implications of saying such an awful thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, suffice to say, if that was your one and only impression of their relationship, you'd think that they hated each other immensely. But as is, as is you know, the path, of course, for this particular show, it's more complicated. So it looks like Toy's brother is actually a part of what I'm going to presume to be, you know, a really, really, you know, low-level Yakuza gang. And I'm talking Yakuza the video game here because they're all wearing, like, you know, seagull pattern jackets. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yep. And he finds a gun that was given to his brother by the leader of the gang um, inside the drawer. So that's his, you know, realization. Yeah. The The worst place you can hide a weapon in the drawer of a ch- mm-hmm. the drawer of a child, mm-hmm. Chiaki or uh, is it his name yeah, Chiaki? Ch- like Chiaki, Chiaki. What the yes. fuck, man? Like it doesn't matter that you've covered it up in this handkerchief. Like it is a gun shaped handkerchief. Like, congratulations. There's, yeah, I mean, I so I understand the thinking, right? If if you don't want like the. Uh, you want to put it somewhere where if your place gets turned upside down and searched by cops or whoever, you know, people won't find the gun. But in a child's fucking desk drawer, it's the <laughs> it's some dumb shit. And yeah, it's a very dumb shit. <laughs> indeed. Um, so indeed, the sober shop is being closed down. They're being evicted because of the mob debt. Uh, but then um, Jackie turns up with the absolute... You know, number one sign that your brother or person is indeed now a, you know, career criminal. A briefcase full of money. I know. That's... Let's not question it. Let's just, you know, let's just go with it here. But yeah, no, it's great. Like, Yeah, I mean, uh... oh, by the way, I, I neglect to mention this. The music that plays during the scenes between uh, Chiaki and the uh, Seagull gang leader, mm-hmm. the sleazy film noir jazz... Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It, it, like, that's, my, that's, that's my shit right there. It's good. And it's not sober, but I will lap it up all the same. <laughs> He's also got the deed to the shop now. Mm-hmm. Um, that he... Like, that was... Man, that's when you... That's when it starts to turn uh, your impression of him, at least a little bit, because mm-hmm. you can see that he's not just a heartless... Um, you know, criminal, like what his brother said about loving the shop and all the memories there with his parents like and how much it meant to him like seeing that affected Chiaki and so he took his you know ill-earned ill-gotten fortune and bought the shop and gave it to his relatives and um and so like yeah I mean just be like like wow like Oda like he really cares about his brother here Mm -hmm. so after, the, after all that, we cut back, of course, to Kazuki and Toy. 
discussing the kidnapping plan, including making a little map with counters on it. And I'm like, well, I guess Kazuki would be a great dungeon master later in life if he ever wants to, you know, take that up at the past time. It is a detailed map. It is. Um, uh, that's the point when Kazuki's ball of silver flies away. And because the kids are not rock stupid, and this is a small detail I really liked, uh, Toy immediately clocks on that Kappa Zombie is about. Which, of course, leads us to cut straight to the Otacops. Ah, man. So, we've got Mr. Sober of the Sober Shop who's been murdered. I'm not yes. even joking. That's literally his fucking name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, and what was his crime? Us. What was his crime, as it turns out? And as I was watching this, I was like, nope, I'm good. I, I like... It turns out this gentleman was siphoning away the second-hand bathwater of female clients to his sober shop. Yukinon gets it. This is the... I mean, I don't know if you're in on the lore here, Doc, but uh, if you happen to know of the game uh, Undernight Inbirth, uh, there's been some very thirsty mm-hmm. people who've been making comments about bathwater with regards to the female characters from that game, particularly user hero. Uh, so insert your own degenerate Eunice Blair joke here, they're all good. Are there scenes of Yuzu, like, in the bath in the game or something? Sadly, no, but if that was the case, I can guarantee you it would have been the best-selling fighting game of the past 20 years, <laughs> because people are that fucking thirsty. Well, listen, I mean, Yuzu is a lovely character, uh, but I, don't, I do not know about the lore, the bathwater lore. I'll have to... After... No, you're good. You're good. You're, good. you're fine. No, I should... Yukinon, should I ch- should I look into this? Don't tell, tell us you, now in the chat. He'll, he'll lead you astray. Trust your longtime podcast friend. So, uh, indeed, of course, Mister Sober has been turned into a Kappa zombie, and Toy, Kazuki, and Enter visit Kepi, uh, you, and. There's a shot on the TV that comes out of Kepi's body of um, Toy's sober shop where they're closing up because of what's been happening. Uh, question for you, very quickly, not a real talking point. Okay. Do you reckon Kepi showed him that deliberately because he knew Toy was there? Seems a bit coincidental that that turned up out of nowhere. It's a really, it's an interesting one. Probably. Mm. I mean, I'm starting to think so. Uh, well, given what happens in episode five. So Tallulah Bell has an interesting question in chat, by the way. Uh, anyone realize that they defeat the Kappa zombies by kink shaming them? Do you, is that how it, is that how it it appears or reads to you? Oh, it, I think I don't know because I think that you know the crimes that the various people have made thus far, like the varying degrees, like the Baffle one is pretty bad. Don't get me wrong, that's pretty fucking bad. There's there's no real way around that. It's definitely um, unique. <laughs> it's yeah, it is. Um, but I think it's just a case of, you know, kink shaming is built on the idea of, you know, getting something that wants to be kept secret out there. So I would argue yes, but I think that, you know, if they were not as outrageous as they were, they would probably work the same way. Um, so. Yeah, like, it's it's that's an interesting way to parse the situations. Like, it doesn't really seem like what, that that's kind of, like the first order of what they're trying to do, you know what I mean? They're not like, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> it's a joke. Well, but no, I think it's interesting because like they do end up feeling ashamed, but just because their their secrets out. Um, yeah. but yeah, okay. Well, you... 
So it's all about you should be a fighting game player because you're excellent at doing baits. You got me good there. Yep, There's not like I'm really bad at like um I'm very bad at deciphering tone from text. This is a a problem in in my life in general <laughs> that leads into some uh, bad situations. To answer Yuki's question, like you want my opinion uh, on that, like. It's one of those things where I won't necessarily understand it or, like, get it myself as something, you know, it'll feel very alien to me. But that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, if you're cool with it, you do whatever, you know, kinky st- stuff you want to do, um, that's fine. It doesn't bother me or bother me in any other way. You're not siphoning away my bath war. Because I don't have a bath, that's why. Ha! Take that! <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, not really, I'm not really a bath taker. I'm more of a shower person. Like, mm. the bath seems... Oh. I don't know. At a certain point, you're just kind of laying in water that you've that seems less than ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so uh, on the plot, then ah! um, Toy, like as soon as as soon as he sees that, that you know his um, family's sober shop is like being affected by this, mm-hmm. he like entering the last episode again, saying no at this, turns to Cappy and says, "Right, make me into a capper. Let's go." He again, grabs his. He grabs his, his lips. <laughs> like, right there. Do, do it. And we get to see just how high Kepi is because his <laughs> eyes are so fucking red. <laughs> just absurdly red. Oh, man. Um, I'll put that on big stars so Hashtag buy Shadana Bath. <laughs> oh, mm. yes. Like, if, I, if you buy me a bath, I'll do all my podcasts while I'm in there, which means we'll let no viewers after that. It'll be the anyway. sort of <clears throat> Gundam Wing-esque, like, like your trays doing a podcast from the bath uh, with bubbles, of course, strategically covering your uh, dangly bits. God, are we doing the sounds of my moment right now where we're getting the shower in the open? Expectedly. <laughs> yep. Emily has the right idea, though. Anyway, so, uh, Kappa Zombie Fight, usual stuff. Uh, it's Toy leading the charge on this one and doing the song, though, so that's your difference there. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, win. And then we cut to the inevitable leak. So, what was the leak? What was the leak that happened in this episode? To abridge it, uh, it turns out that uh, Chiaki actually got the money for the sober shop from the seagull boss guy. And, you know, boss guy, like, says, right, I'm going to find him. I'm going to get my money back from him. So I overhears this because he's trying to find his brother because he's wandering all night. He's a 10-year-old kid or whatever old he is at the time. Mm-hmm. I can kind of get that. Did you notice um, the boss guy had no eyebrows? That was very yeah. distracting to me. Extremely. Also his, also, his colleague is constantly making seagull noises and seagull poses. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually notice that. I'll have to go back. But, like, yeah, I was just like, you know, it's very Super Saiyan 3 sort of deal with, like, just no eyebrows along. It was very distracting. Anyway, please he's, he's very He's very into it. What can I say? Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> this is... But obviously, you know, Toy, 10-year-old kid, Yeah, like, he's he's had rows with his brother, quite severe ones, but he still loves him, still cares for him. But, you know, being a 10-year-old, he can express that love, but he doesn't know what way to express it well. So what does he do? He goes back, grabs the gun, finds, <laughs> finds Seagull Man underneath this subway, or uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Shoots him. Dead. That was the flashback we had at the start of the episode. Put a pin in that, by the way, for a talking point later, then how we got kind of 
a little bit more at the start, but then more here, and I'm going to talk about that later on. So, I obviously don't know how, like, you know, powerful or influential the Seagull Gang is. I'd hope that they would have a better, you know, logo or name than simply being called the Seagulls. I mean, do they flock off? You know, I don't fucking know. Hey, hey, um, I have a question. <clears throat> um, why do seagulls live by the sea? Is this going to make me drink this? Is this is the answer to this going to make me down this in one go? No, no, of course not. Uh, hit me. Because if they live by the bay, they'd be bagels. Bagels. Get it? Oh no! Oh, I do. I do. Thanks, flat dog. Uh, right. Okay. So, uh, having survived the mental anguish of that particular moment, <laughs> it was bad. Sorry. It was fucking atrocious. Man. <laughs> um, the follow-up from this is that um, Jackie actually turns up and takes the gun from Toy and shoots the guy again. Now, whether or not he's already dead before he shoots him, or he is dead after the fact, we don't know. But here's what comes of this. Um, it turns out that Jackie, he says to him, I'm the guy who killed him with this gun. We he, brothers are going to shoot him again? Like, he did, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he shot him twice. Uh-huh. And here's the thing, right? That gesture, Jackie is actually taking the heat for the murder of that guy. Because even though Toy is like 10 and he was scared for his fucking life, do you really think hardened criminals are going to care about that? They'll kill him dead. Yeah. And he's, there's no way he can look after himself, whereas at least you get yeah. the impression, Jackie, that he is somewhat street smart. And you got to hope um, to like rewrite his memory in a way in the trauma. Mm. Like, you know, when everything is still so fresh and open and he's totally vulnerable and might not even realize what happened. You should run up there. I did it. I did it. It was me. Remember it. Imprint this yeah. on your brain. This is how we're I'm gonna live Spartacus. our life. Yes, yes, and that's how like that's how it's going to be. That perception is going to be the reality under which we live. Indeed. So, um, obviously, bear in mind that this leak has been broadcast to both uh, Kazuki and Ensa, so they know about that. Mm -hmm. So once they return from the Field of Desire, uh, I this was really weird to me. Ensa's all on this. He's like, "Fucking kill the guy, man." Oh my god, and Kazuki's just gnawing on a cucumber. Well, is everyone he knows a murderer? Is that why this is so, like, you know, off base for him? We'll get yeah, to this like... point at the beginning of the next episode. I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. So the end of a silver dish. Um, Enter's losing his shit over this. And. Uh, Toy says to him, You let the secret out, I'll fucking end you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After after entering blade mode, you know, properly slice up all the various cucumbers with his ruler, and that's the end of the episode. Until the post credit stinger. Fucking a man, this was a, this was a stinger. <laughs> this was something. I mean, I do I do like how you know Ikuhara at this point seems to have mastered the art of you know punching you in the balls mm -hmm. like after the closing credits with like wait they said what they said what <laughs> excuse me uh so. Like, Ty's had enough, he's going home, because he's, like, done with this shit, he's done his bit for the evening. Uh, Kazuki comes after him, and actually gives him his silver dish of hope that he got previously. Which, 
which is in stark contrast to what Enzo was saying earlier in the episode, like, give it him. And he was just willing to give it away for free. Did he take and, it? I can't remember. I know he offered it to him. I can't remember if he took it or not. I don't know. Okay. But it does, But the key point here mm-hmm. is that, you know, when Toy questions and Kazuki says, oh, I hate Haruka. And I'm like, wait, what? Do you want to repeat that again, Kazuki? Do you want to, you know, mouth yeah. those words again? Do you want to try one more time? What a wanker. <laughs> that's that's what you come away with. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, you no, are no, de- no, defend... Well, look, defend Haruka, right? I mean... Anyway, anyway, so that's episode four. I want to connect the you so far away. Um... Oofed. I mean, all of the character-centric episodes have been quite something, but this one was like... I'll save you for the talking points, but suffice to say, like, that was quite the thing again. And now we're going to go on to episode five. Yeah, okay, all right. So I was going to ask you, do you want to do summary, summary, and then lump all the discussion together? I think that would make sense. That would make sense, because inevitably if we start talking about, like, stuff from episode four in isolation, it will then, you know, not make sense when we get to episode five. We can't do like the week on week thing this time around because, mm-hmm. well, we have the knowledge of episode five. In our exactly. Heads. Exactly. Okay. Well, right. um, we'll I will we'll try to wing this episode five summary uh, after a brief uh, break. Or <clears throat> I need to take a brief break. Do you want to like s- start it, or should we just break and then come back uh, in I'll, a second? I'll I'll crack on. Okay, alright, I will return momentarily. Okay. So, uh, episode 5. I want to connect, but I can't be forgiven. Here's the thing. Uh, the opening of this episode reveals to us the, you know, history of Kazuki's family. Uh, or at least parts of it. Uh, shows Haruka being born. And it then has Kazuki's grandfather dying and saying, your mother was a sloppy woman. Now, what he ultimately means by that, be it that um, Kazuki's mother, you know, had an affair, or potentially, you know, committed the incredibly heinous crime of not washing the dishes correctly, which in the world of Sarans and Maya, I imagine, would be, you know, a pluggable offence. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. But that's a kind of a cruel thing to drop on him before, you know, he passes away. Um that made him realize, or at least think, that his family, you know, Haruka's parents specifically, were not his parents in turn, biologically. Flipping that for later because that's going to be the big theme for this episode. Uh, by the way, nice contrasting show here, you know, the fact that, the, you know, the wheelchair ramp is up there and that Haruka is walking. So you could obviously piece together at this point the fact that he was fine and then later something happened. What that is, we don't know yet, but we will find out in due course. So, um, I'm sketching this from memory because, again, I'm just, I didn't have time to rewatch this bit. But um, they do indeed put the plan in action in this episode where they, you know, decide that they are going to kidnap Azusa Sarah in advance of, you know, the actual fan meet And they do indeed follow through from what they discussed in episode four, which is first off, we've got to deal with the manager. So, taking inspiration from what I think is Payday 2, based on the fact that he's wearing a Kappa face mask, um, yeah, really, uh, Toy 
ambushes him in the toilet, ties him up, takes his pants. Not quite sure why, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> that is a great question. Like, why Why take the pants? Because he didn't put the pants on. Is it because they had some kind of, like, penguin drum, like, symbol on them, and then flying away was, like, a reference? I don't really know. It looked like he they had the pink a... penguin on them. He also puts a cucumber in his mouth for some reason. Again, could could not tell you. Uh, so anyway, we could see Uzuma Sarah, you know, browsing through what I think is her own kind of pornography, given it's all cucumbers. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. uh the the safest unsafe Google image search. Mm-hmm. Man, I wouldn't like to know what porn we've got as far as you know cooking cucumbers goes. But anyway, smooth uh, <clears throat> or lumpy. That's one of the forks in the category oh. road for sure. So, Tai turns up at Azusa's dressing room and takes her away. Uh, and at this point, uh, Kazuki is there to you know take her place at the actual um, at the dressing room waiting for the actual family. This is the point where he gets a message from Haruka because again, it's got a direct line. And Haruka comes up with a secret phrase, you know, that he apparently has been discussing previously. Which, since I've got the frame of the actual scene here, yeah, right up, very convenient. Uh, says from the beginning to the end. Waiting for it to play the next bit. We're connected in a big circle. Big pin in that. Is, uh, that's going to come full circle and hey. in a big way. Uh, because uh, Kazuki like, has a kind of reaction to it. And you might wonder why. We will indeed find out. So, <laughs> this, this next bit of the episode that followed. I really like. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Oh wait, and I I might be jumping the gun. You go ahead. Mm. So, obviously, Haruka and Enter in line at the fan beat. Uh, Haruka being his usual adorable self, mm-hmm. I'm just like protect this precious child. Uh, so today's selfie item, by the way, is you know, sachet. Sachet, not the thing you find in pot noodles, but actually smells. You know, mm-hmm. like. Sent sachets. So, what follows after this is a uh, oh, can I really quick like I, I think now we have, uh, unless there's some clever, um, something clever that happens, I feel like we've discovered now that the um, the selfie item of the day must be two syllables, because it has to be used in the song. You know, soba soba, kisu kisu, sashe sashe, like yeah. to back up the lead Kappa vocalist. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's your evidence as well that, you know, maybe Susasara is evil or not on the level because of the fact that it's her dictating the items they're then seen on by the otters. Totally. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, we of course get the other cops dealing with their latest one who's a gentleman who. Stealing uh, scent sachets from women specifically, I think Lisa will find out from feet. Because Ikahara has decided to, you know, just play, you know, the bingo card of strange yeah. fetishes, and he's going for the full house. Uh, so, go Toy big or go home. Azusa. Yeah, Toy doesn't keep kidnap Azusa Sarah, but but something I predicted that turned out to be true: Azusa Sarah is not who she appears to be. <laughs> she is. Kappa. Or at least a Kappa in the same sense as Kepi is a Kappa. 
and that allows us to escape from all the various you know tricks that the solid tries to pull uh including the metal gear solid locker trick does not work <laughs> this adorable and... like wiggle out from under the door every time it's amazing yep i escaped tish easy <laughs> easy I'm not uh, in including there one including a wonderful insert scene that is utterly unnecessary to the plot makes no sense if you think about it but i found really really funny which is that toy puts her in a fucking magician's box and stabs it with swords i mean just it makes no sense no. in context <laughs> not a shred of it but i laughed my ass off at this because it was genuinely funny I only wish they'd follow it up with him doing something like, you know, tying a concrete block to her legs and throwing her in the sea. <laughs> and he's just there like, oh, finally. He just taps on the shoulder and goes, skate again. Yes. Very Looney Tunes. Like, or, or, as, or as I said on Twitter, firing her into the sun and she's just sat there, you know, at Capcom, just enjoying herself. <laughs> that was a great scene. Very. It was great. I... Completely unnecessary is the plot, but mm-hmm. fun. And fun is what we need, because yeah. if you have any sort of precognitive ability or a general sense of, you know, impending doom, you can probably see where this is going. So, Enter recognizes that Kazaki is there posing as Sarah-chan. But, because Toy, you know, learned all of his, you know, rope-tying uh, tricks from, you know, Dick Dastardly and didn't actually do a proper job of it, the manager escapes. Oh my god gets back into the, you know, the meeting hall where they all are, and says, OBJECTION! Wait, no, sorry, wrong thing. I meant to say, uh... He says, that Sarah is an imposter. And... I'm, like... It's just this escalating fucking, like... Uh, sorry, I accidentally pressed a button on my keyboard that made something happen. It's this escalating tension in this scene of, like more and more like it goes from like awkward to tense to like I feel oppressed by the very air in the room I have to like walk around or like walk outside to get fresh air and breathe because like what is happening like it's uh, mm-hmm. like and it's just the first part the manager coming in there and disputing it yeah is just Ikuhara, the by the way he turns this up to 11 with a flashback scene in which we get to see um, Haruka and Kazuki when they were much younger, while Haruka's still walking, at a park. And do you remember that thing that I said about, you know, being connected in a circle from beginning to end? Mm-hmm. Haruka says that to Kazuki. Yep. It's the phrase that they already have, or have come up in the past. Mm-hmm. And as that's I was what, watching... That's this, what took him off guard, right, when he saw it yeah. in the in the um, yeah. line app or whatever. And as, and as I was unraveling the layers of this fuckery, this absolute... Oh my god. I was like... Oh. There's not enough booze in my booze to talk about this. I'm just going to say that. I mean, holy shit. By the way, nice touch. Uh, when they're having this scene, there is indeed a metal framework of the park with a circle on it. Mm-hmm. Just in case you didn't catch on to that. But, uh, yeah. So, of course, manager comes in, and Haruka doesn't believe him at first. Because, you know, Haruka, like I said, Santa Claus, so, you know, when you're young, you don't. But then, then the curtains fall, and Azusa Sarah returns. And then you're just like, fucking A, get the fuck out of there before what happens next happens. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Oh my 
god. It was so painful, dude. It was really, it was yeah. tough. And Haruka even says to the real Azusa Sarah, she walks up, like, the actual phrase, and Azusa Sarah just goes, Who are you? <laughs> like, oh, oh, god, who are you? I mean, like, we've been, no, we've, we have this special bond. We've been texting. We're, we're, like, great friends. We have this, this phrase, who are you? Like, damn. Ice Bomb cold. Bomb screws this entire scene. So, Kazuki's wig falls off and he makes... Oh, that's the part! The wig falling off is the part where it's just like, where I just had to leave. It's like, nope, I feel too naked. I feel too vulnerable, like, vicariously for this character. So I have to go. Like, I literally, it was true that I could not take it. And, I mean, this happens sometimes to me when watching stuff. Like, it just... I got just got so wrapped up in it, and I mean, kudos to the show for creating that kind of emotional moment. That can because... I also add? Yeah, um, go ahead. like when it comes to fiction, like you obviously, as an author, want to build up to big events or big moments. These can be twists, they can be reveals, they can be moments of triumph, moments of failure, you name it. So, if I up to episode five was asked, when do you think Harik is going to find out that Kazuki is actually cosplaying as Uzusara? Mm-hmm. I just said. Well, closing five minutes of the final episode. Yeah, you know that you know you know Haruka will say, "I knew all along," or "It's okay, Onichan." You know, you get you get where I'm going with this. Or it'll be on. Well, I thought it was going to be on Kazu's terms. You know what I mean? Like Kazu mm-hmm. would come, wig in hand, like framing the discussion, framing the terms of the the engagement. No. Yep. All the control is taken away from him, and he's just. That's why totally I said he got murdered in public. Yeah. 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 So, uh, props, props to Ikahara. Man. The absolute madman. He did me over with this. This was this was a tough watch, and I'm not talking about it because it was bad. I'm talking because it's great drama. Yep. But often, great drama comes with you know the cost of you know actually dealing with the pain of you know, emphasizing and sympathizing with the characters. So, uh, yeah. And as you can on this rightly just point out in chat, Harika tries to call after Kazuki as mm-hmm. he runs away. Yep. I'm just, and I'm just here like, He right. still, yeah, still of course loves him, you know? And, I mean, that kid is so pure, like, he will, like, they could be fine tomorrow, I guess, in terms of the way Haruka relates to Kazuki. I mean, Kazu's got a lot of things he's got to untangle inside himself to Not least which start to way. approach that. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I don't even remember what's going on now. But but yeah, like uh Haru calling after him was um that that was an emotional an emotional moment. Um the mm-hmm. one and only one person in the whole world, right, that would that would do that for him at that moment. Like, I actually want to be around you. Don't go, you know, and <sighs> I mean, I guess, I don't know if you're Kazuki, maybe that makes you want to sink into the ground like a million times more. Maybe you just feel that much more mortified. I don't know, man. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in that situation. But I can at least talk about what happens next, which is that 
the sachet, uh, sent sachets that we mentioned earlier start floating away. So obviously Kappa Zombie's back in town. And Kazuki runs to Kepi's shrine and the others follow. Toy delivering some, you know, cold hard troops in here. Uh, Enzo decides to pick a fight, or what is almost a fight with Toy, which, you know, that's like trying to bear back a crocodile. Come on, Enzo. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, you need balls to do it, but it doesn't mean you're going to be able to follow through on it. But again, gold star, you know, you get a nice certificate. Good shit. Like, oh, the man's clothing. So, <laughs> so indeed um, but Toy is right Like, how long could you indeed keep this a secret I mean that was the thing I was asking of the show for lead of how long will this be a secret Yeah. Um, Kazuki is like very emotional about all of this like he's saying like you know I've, I've hurt Haruka but this is the point and I want to make special note of this now recall the past three episodes recall has it Kazuki, uh, Enter and Toy in turn, all say to Kepi, I want you to make me a kappa when things go to pot in those particular episodes. Right. The three of them are having a very like heated emotional argument about all the shit they've been through. And Kepi, without being prompted, says that he's going to just turn them into kappas there and then. They don't get to prompt him to do that this time around. They don't get to say to him, right, make me a kappa to solve something. They just came there to talk, ostensibly. So again, Kepi, potential colossal dick. I'll leave that to your, you know, you two guys to decide. <laughs> so, they of course get the Kappa zombie again, which is the dude stealing sachets. Uh, turns out this Kappa zombie, once defeated, uh, had a foot fetish because, of course. Because, of course. I mean, again, I'm not going to judge people who might be into that kind of thing, but I'm just seriously thinking that Ikuhara is just like, you know, types in, you know, wax up shit in Urban Dictionary, and it's just using that to fill out the, you know, like, the the issues of, it, of the day. Um, so, next thing that happens, of course, is the leak that, I mean, this time it's Kazuki's doing. But things are slightly different this time around, we learn. What we uh, realize is that, and again, just refresh Mario, so apologies here, Kazuki actually met who he believes to be his biological mother. Now, there isn't any concrete evidence of this in the episode, but we'll just go with that. Um, based on the smell again, the scent sachet. Apparently, Haruka had a scent sachet of his mother. How that happened, we don't know. We can work on that later. Uh, but, because he wow, can't handle this secret being leaked out, they fail. The desire they extracted from the Kappa zombie, you know, decides to, you know, evacuate um, Kazuki's Kappa backside in the same <laughs> way that drugs evacuate someone when they're being cavity searched in there. Yep. Goes back. The toothpaste yep. was put back in the tube. <laughs> yep. And resultantly, the Kappa zombie, you know, goes back, returns to life. They get returned out of the field of desire. And, well, there's a kettle boiling, which is probably the best visual metaphor you would have for what's <laughs> happening right now. Kepi so mad. <laughs> Kepi is fucking pissed. Uh, but again, call it what you want, maybe he is actually a colossal prick. Because he says, I'm not going to turn you back into human form. Right. Yep. He's going to leave him as Kappa. Great. And for the two for two of the three people there, that's a bad thing. Although for Kazuki, he's probably okay with that. Yeah, he doesn't care right now. 
because you know, speaking to someone who has had in, you know, things happen to me in my life where I felt very embarrassed or ashamed, avoidance is a, you know, big thing, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, get involved or, you know, with, with the people that, you know, you're having an issue with at that time, you feel very, you have to keep this distance between them. What more distance can you get than by looking completely different than you would in human life? Right. You know? So, Kazuki's discussing stuff with his biological mother, or what we presume to be his biological mother. This is all based on feelings and not on facts. Uh, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But again, we'll allow the show to, you know, reveal that to us in time. The anti-Ben Shapiro approach. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. What? Running away from the English conservative uh, <laughs> on, on right. interviews? Yeah. yeah. What a spineless tosser he was. Or is, rather. You know, there's so no past tense Speaking of people who are mad, he's very mad. Hmm. Anyway, anyway. 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 So. Kazuki eventually decides, because he's, of course, grown up, like, this is, like, pretty much close to the timeline that the show is running in, that he has a family who's more real than his biological which is, of course, Haruka and his two parents, whose names we don't even know. Put a pin yeah. on that, by the way, because mm-hmm. that'll be relevant for a criticism, believe it or not, I have of Sirens of Mine. I know that's, I know, like, well, I said Doc's Rice Scout, you know, my severance package right now. <laughs> yep. He's my P45, like, you're not allowed to be on this podcast anymore for saying you don't like one element of this particular show. But anyway, so. Suspended without pay. Well, you know. And here comes the scene that as soon as it started with the fact that, you know, we get to see a repeat of the very bit of opening bit of episode one with him running down with, you know, the, uh, the Sangha. The fact that I remember that I'm quite proud mm-hmm. of. So yeah, there you go. I had forgotten. I had forgotten. So good on you. you, you nice. And Haruka is running after him as he's running somewhere. It looks like, as we learn from the following scenes, that he's trying to catch up with his mother before she takes the train back to elsewhere. Yeah. And, well... Yeah, did I'll he... say that... Oh, uh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. Sorry, go, no, sorry, go on. No, no go I on. was just going to ask. Like, it's... I mean, there's a lot of holes in this scene and, like, motivations for what happens during this flashback haven't really been interrogated very much. So, but I guess it's is reasonable to assume right now that Kazu, even though in person with his mother, and I agree with Tula Bell, we can just sort of go on, like, let's just go for now with the fact that she's his mom, yeah. right? They've somehow well, you've, managed you've... to meet and they both think this is the case um, yeah even even if that's not necessarily objectively true the fact that he thinks that is enough yep yep to, like that's the thing i've said before like characters can be objectively wrong in the show's mm-hmm. own diegetic like you know construction mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you know that what they feel is wrong like how many times can people speak in their own lives where they've been wrong about things they've done right but you know that doesn't mean we still don't we still you know don't do things because of that so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally cool. But um, oh, so what I was going to this... ask the thing I was going to ask you though is like, um, or or just posit, I guess, is that like I think we're supposed to assume that even though he um, told her, you know, when they were talking face to face at the park, like, look, you know, I appreciate it, but I have this other family with a person who's important to me. That I guess he changed his mind. And he was going to catch the train with her, or he at least wanted to talk to her again, or have some more time. Um, mm. 
it's hard to say because he didn't really tell because when Haru approaches him he's not saying like I'm gonna leave you know I mean he didn't he didn't definitely say he was gonna leave so I mean maybe he just maybe he was just there to see her off or maybe he was there to go with her it's uh, I I don't think we know for sure yet it's, it'll be immaterial as it turns out because something else happens in the meantime so here's the thing folks right maybe maybe you can all relate to me on this but like have you ever watched a show and having watched a lot of media in your life be it films anime television series or reading books playing video games all sorts of things that you start to get a sense for how things are going to play out next <laughs> and you wish you were blindly ignorant or blissfully ignorant of the fact that you can tell what's going to come next and you know it's going to be awful and you know it's going to make you feel bad but you have to press on anyway because mm-hmm. the moment that Kazuki and, and Haruka catch up and they start talking to each other and Kazuki crosses the road with a green blinking man sign and as he's crossing I have to pause the episode because I'm like right that's it. This is the moment, isn't it? This is when it happens. This is when it fucking happens. And, well, you know, I might not know what I'm talking about half the time, but I was indeed correct. This is the point in which Haruka is hit by a car and is paralyzed. And Ikahara, the, or whoever directs this episode, or whoever storyboarded it, like, you might expect, oh, it's just tasteful, like, you know, you get to see Haruka, like, knocks out cold on his face. No, we get to see that his legs are completely bloodied and bruised, and it's just all... And I'm like... <sighs> and I'm here like this. Yeah. Ah. Oh, fuck me. Like... Yeah. And I think it's okay, like, that the beats can be predictable. Um, And well, we, that's the we thing, still like, get to see them. Like, because that that helps us kind of inhabit the mind space of the characters, you know, seeing it play out. Mm-hmm. So, Kazuki, the poor kid, like, I mean, yeah, he's done some stupid shit, but even I felt for him on this one. Yeah. Like, I mean, hell, Doc, if you want to put this up as a poll, like, you can argue many ways, like, who's to blame for this? Oh, I Is think it... no one. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, we can say, like, you know, no one's playing except maybe the person driving the vehicle or the car or whatever it was. Except for parents letting the... No, I'm just kidding. I know. Mm. <laughs> you. So, but some people may be thinking, like, like, oh, why is a child this young walking around on his own? It's much more common in that society for that sort of thing to happen. So I think that's not as big of a, of a deal. It, how do or any child of that age is going to be probably kind of more responsible and aware of despite what happened in the scene in a general sense responsible and aware of things like traffic mm-hmm. uh you know because then, he, then he, your well, child from somewhere else might be but here's the thing like we can of course argue the toss about who's right and who's at fault here yeah. That's immaterial relative to how Kazagi feels because he mm-hmm. says, you know, he can't breathe every time he sees Hurricane and Witcher. Oh, and oh, that gives that gives some more context to his actions. Yeah. Because after all, you know, keeping distance between some like I said before, uh, the idea of him now being a capper and probably being happy with that because it means he doesn't have to go face 
character again, looking as he does, mm-hmm. like maybe his, his actions in doing the whole Azusa Sarah thing are his way of putting a smoke screen or a shield or a filter up between him and Haruka totally. that allows him to operate on a level that he's comfortable with. Totally. It, and again, lays a complexity. We're building on this as we go along, as things are unveiled, as you know, the show starts dealing its hand out. And it's awful. It's... Oh, man. And fucking Kepi's drinking tea while he's doing this. Break, so, up yours, Kepi. <laughs> Crash that dish <sighs> over your head. Uh, but anyway, that's the episode. But, we're not quite done, of course, because we have the post singer. singer. What's supposed to be about? It's about our two favourite, you know, Otacops straight out of what could have otherwise been the anime version of the Naked Gun. It is Rayo Mabu. And they're discussing how they've been successful. But this is the point where we see, um, was it Rayo, uh, the one with the actual key? Uh, I can't remember which one's which, <laughs> but I just know they're the two names. I've got the two names down. But, uh, but yeah, he gets uh, upset with uh with the professorial looking one yeah because he's upset you know about prioritizing personal feelings and all that yeah so even these two you know in their very rigid very structured way they've been presented to us of doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. even they're breaking even they're breaking loose but yeah that's the end of episode five where the shit categorically hits Woo! the every country on the planet man okay Punch There's... me right in the fucking soul, I swear. So, like, there is a lot to talk about. Do you want to, like, jump around and just mi- may... mix in? Or should we do four and then five? If I may ask, may we take a break briefly, just for a moment? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh... Sorry, folks, but unfortunately, the vodka is agreeing me in one way, but not another. <laughs> and you can inform that how you wish. Uh, I'll be back momentarily. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back. Very brief break. Um, okay, discussion, discussion, discussion. Oof, Ooh, there's, there's, there's a lot. So I, we can we can mix and match. I feel like and just kind of do it organically as we go and lump them all. Uh, Makes most sense to me, given the fact that you know a lot of what we could talk about with relation size episode will indeed play into the you know episode five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Funny how things work out sometimes, you know, when we do two episodes in one, but that's how the cookie crumbles, yeah. as they say. The first, like, the first time plot elements from one episode carried over to the next one happened to be this one with the kidnapping thing. Um, which, holy See? fucking shit, I can't... Holy, why the fuck did you do it? Like, Kazuki, why did you suggest it? I mean, just the I mean... whole thing. The whole thing of... Like, yeah, I mean, he just... Kazuki is... Completely amoral. <laughs> just, just totally like um, whatever I want, whatever's in front of me to grab hold of is the thing to do. And however I have to I mean, get there, I don't care. Um, question for you uh, on that topic actually comes to think of it. Okay. He only met Toy recently through the you know whole Kepi situation. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't known Toy, what was his plan B? That's an excellent question. I mean, I don't know if there would be, right? I mean, he's thanking his lucky stars. He knows... Yeah, Someone... uh, no, there is there is a plan B, and it's called Plan B, as in the B stands for butt fucks, because he ain't got shit to do. <laughs> I know, for. and he's just totally screwed. And um... yeah, maybe he makes up some conspiracy, like 
this will be a double. Me, the real Sarah, will be away because I'm sick or some bullshit. That would have been a lot safer. Um, maybe she, maybe he would like you know lay out like a lot of cucumbers, like a Roadrunner style trap, like Wily e. Coyote, into like a pit or something. I don't know. I haven't seen School Days. Uh, I've only heard about it. <laughs> mm. All right. Um, so, talk points. Uh, I actually have one I want to lead off with very oh, quickly because it's a okay. technical one. Go ahead. So let's let's talk about bad CGI. Yes. Now, oh, now, 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 if you've been a long-time follower of our show, uh, you might recall more recently that I did, uh, you know, complain a bit in the Promised Neverland about the various scenes that were CG done, uh, particularly the one of Norman walking down the corridor, you know, in his, like, Green Mile moment. Woof. Uh, woof, yeah. Or, alternatively, you might recall even further back when we covered Cardo, the wrong answer, that I mentioned that they did, the you know, the CG was very stiff, and that they could have done some interesting things with. So here's the thing, right? If I were to rate like the general standard of CG in from Japan, like in anime, <laughs> I would call it, I would call it, or... yeah. Unless you happen to be Studio Orange, in which case you people are just, you know, blood wizards or something that can mm. conjure it out of thin air. Yeah. Thank you very much, Land Lustrous, by the blood way. Blood wizards. Yeah. yeah, but. Here's, here's my point, though, right? One of the things I said when we were discussing Cardo on that podcast was that they could have actually used CG stereo magic. Because when you have CG overlaid over 2D animation, it looks really unnatural. Mm-hmm. It looks wrong. It looks out of place. And more often than not, that happens, and that's just because they don't think about it. Now, I could be completely talking my ass for the next point, which I've been every point I've ever done on this particular podcast. But call me crazy. Recall the gun. Recall the gun in episode four how it's CG. Recalling. And how it looks out of place. Mm-hmm. Alien. Unwelcome. Can you see how in that particular instance the CG being bad was either A, deliberate, you know, as in to draw attention to the fact that it was an unwelcome presence in the family home, mm. or B, uh, coincidental, but still serves that purpose nonetheless? I think probably B is the more likely, but but the fact that there could be a narrative reason for it is is nice, and I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, I said to you when we were discussing Cardo, like without getting too deep into Cardo's like you know mythology and lore, like that when the characters in that show or the people you know got attuned to the higher dimension, that you know they could transition from two D to you know three D mm-hmm. to show that they are different people, right? CG on its own being bad is not a question necessarily of technical fidelity. It's not a question, you know, like how bad or good it looks, just purely in a vacuum. If you, like, for example, have some PS2, like, you know, level-looking shit on your screen, that alone does not make it bad on its own. You can even use something that looks bad as an artistic statement. And again, I don't know if Ikahara did this deliberately or not, because it's the only CG thing that I'm aware of, with the exception of the signs, uh, right, and also the otter stage and such, but they're Uh fine. They're acceptable. Uh, But Seeing it, you know, being held in Toy's hands like that, and it just floating around almost listlessly in the air, like it, you know, had some sort of, like, you know, Half-Life 2 gravity gun shit going on with it. It really did strike me as being out of place. And it's a gun being held by a 13-year-old kid. Of course it's fucking out of place. So, yeah, that was legitimately good shit if that was intentional. And if not, it still works regardless. The color of it was very odd. It seemed like copper colored. 
it looks like they sort of model straight out of Far Cry 2. <laughs> um, Shit game, by the way. Don't play it. Listen, don't start this discussion on this channel. That's one of the most divisive games ever made. There's some well, people that love too. people love that shit. Like there are some really academic, like game studies people that love the shit out of Far Cry Two, and there's people that really hate it. So like I don't want to have that discussion here. Um, well, see me after school, folks. I'll have a discussion <laughs> with you, and I'll show you how wrong you are. Oh yeah, the gun wasn't CG in previous episodes. I mean that's true to Louisville. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, it just seems very generous. I mean, I'd love to. I would love for it to be. I'd love for you guys to be right that they were. That they were like, well, yes, the let's do it for this reason well, to make it look this way. It is so dark. Well, you and I have said many times that you know what the author ultimately intends and what the outcome is are indeed disconnected a little mm-hmm. bit. So, I'm still happy of it regardless. Like. Right. I mean, all we'd be giving then is just, you know, academic proxy Gahara, but nonetheless, regardless of what was behind that decision, the effects on it from me was indeed profound. Yeah. So there you go. So in, in episode four, the thing that struck me, well, I won't say that there's a lot that struck me about this episode, actually, but the first thing I'll point out is how, um, I think it's really interesting how the boys all kind of misdiagnose each other and themselves when it comes to their their issues so mm. like you have in i think it was i can't remember if it was episode two or three but inta is telling toy back off kazuki kazuki's nothing like you and mm. we have actually seen that well they actually are quite alike and that they're willing to Cross moral boundaries that you enter are not for the sake of their brothers. Was Enter um, pulling a peanut butter gamer? There's your brother <laughs> drama. Fucking fuck. This, there's, speaking of things that I want to bring up on this channel, fucking hell. Uh, let's keep that whole extended universe away from us. I will mm. say no more than that. If, you, if you're in on it, you get one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you also have, like, Toy saying to Enta, why don't you give up on Kazuki? Kazuki keeps disappointing you. Kazuki mm-hmm. keeps letting you down. Kazuki keeps making you these promises and, and and not coming through. Like, why don't you get wise to it? Why don't you ditch him? Whenever, like, Toy kind of can't perceive that someone outside of his situation would look at him and say, this is the way that you are relating to your own brother. Like, someone could easily say, this is a problem you have in your life, right? And Enta, of course, is just all over Toy. We said, like, you are so bad. Like, you're a lawbreaker. Like, you are this awful person who's who's transgressed the moral boundaries, certainly by killing someone. But, like, even before the murder, like, you know the audience would be like, ah, oh, you've waterboarded someone or you've, you do the weed and make the weed. But Inta also, when no one is looking like is transgressive of these other kind of boundaries that he thinks Indeed. that he can rationalize to himself. Like, I'll just do this. It's, it's okay. Um, at least in the moment. So mm. yeah, I, I, there's a lot of parallels in how they, are attributing 
problems that they themselves have to the other people or just not seeing obvious things about themselves that they see in each other. Well, they're, they're still immature kids, and on top of that, they don't have the picture. Like, this is mm-hmm. the audience character disconnect that I mentioned before, where, you know, we can be privy to things. We are living from that, you know, omnipresent perspective in this show. Well, I say that loosely when it comes to Saren's and I for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, they don't have the faculties that we do or the knowledge we do or the morality, the ethical, you know, knowledge or calculus, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable that they do that. Um, this actually is on something I was going to talk about with regards to um, <clears throat> what I think is actually a kind of eye-opening thing about what Sarah Zemai has taught me about media in general. So buckle up for a little bit of a ramble here. Is this Here's one of those the... like Twitter threads where you're like, sit down, boys and girls, and it's time for Professor Shajan to talk to you about some history? Buckle up. Manchadon, specifically. There's <laughs> yeah. no professorism here. So here's the thing, right? This happens in it. This is actually one of the reasons why it's good that we've covered both episode four and five at the same time on this podcast. Okay. Because here's the thing, right? The reveal in at the end of episode five of what happened with Haraka is a flashback that we see, but Enter and Toy do not. Because the leak has ended at that. They've only got a partial picture. Similarly, uh, the various things that happen with the sober shop with Toy in episode four, the other characters are not privy to. And one of the key things that Saren Zemai is saying to us is that, you know, there are some things that we should talk openly about and should, you know, properly give due context to, at least if, we, if nothing else, to give other people a chance to, you know, truly understand what's going on in our lives. But considering, you know, the arc of knowledge that I don't know, it sounds very pretentious, but just bear me in. Like, no, like no. The, how, how much knowledge the characters are getting versus what we're getting. The key to good drama, in my opinion, is that you know you build up over time to a you know a climax. Sexual as that sounds, uh, mm-hmm. you know you, you you start building up, you foreshadow, you let reveals come in, you have the big moment at the end, the moment you know where the characters at their worst, and then they triumph. But that is antithetical to how we should operate in real life with each other in that we should, you know, try and be open and honest as early as we are capable to do so and, you know, solve our problems through communication that way. And I think Sarah might maybe realize that because all of the stuff that happens with Toy, like, you know, where he gives all that, he doesn't give the context as to why he ended up murdering that, uh, you know, swan, you know, Macuse boss guy. Yeah, Super Saiyan 3 man. Yeah, he doesn't give the context that. The context is something we're privy to, but the other characters are not. And I'm not ultimately excusing him murdering him. I can understand, again, this is the sympathy thing. I can understand, mm-hmm. even though I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. But Ty doesn't provide that context then, but does to us. That's mm-hmm. the disconnect here. Right. So, Saren Zemai, like, in its own way, is operating on two levels where the characters should really get everything off their chest as soon as they possibly can. But the drama demands that we deliver that later on in order to give a proper payoff. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of astounding when you think about it that way. Like, how we talk to each other and how we communicate in real life, and indeed what these characters need to do, is antithetical to the actual good build-up of drama that the show has been working on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting, actually. Um I should stress, this is not criticism, by the way. This is not criticism, by the way. 
But just think of how this show compartmentalizes what it reveals in flashbacks versus what it reveals via the leaks and all the other elements. Yeah. There's a very deliberate thing going on here where, you know, we, the audience, get to see things that the characters are not privy to, even though they have an in-universe diegetic mechanism for seeing things they would never otherwise be privy to mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it's very much like a... Like a you know, we all know Iku loves the theater. It's very much like mm-hmm. a play, right? Like, um, we get to see everything, but not all the actors are present for all the scenes, so they don't know... There's no, like, internal monologue. Like, everything mm-hmm. that's presented is presented on the stage. Um, so, yeah, no, this, this is interesting. Um, interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like... <laughs> it, it, I mean, look, you're going to shoot me from across the pond, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to... Darling in the Franks, right? Uh, no, I'm okay with that. Ar- artificially, like, extended all of its drama by just having the characters not talk to each other, discuss issues yeah. with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's it's done it's done way better here. I mean, I'm not always thinking, why aren't they telling each other X, Y, and Z? These are extremely like personal you, things that wouldn't make as much sense to talk about for no reason. Yeah. But it's like I've said to you before, though, like, we don't naturally in real life tell each other the entirety of our inner thoughts or our own experiences or history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Partly because we can't, because, like, I mean, I'm, I've been alive for, like, 31 plus years now. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you every single second of that time that I've spent alive. That's impossible. And secondly, because, you know, we often feel embarrassed or reticent or unable to talk about, you know, the things we've done. So it's understandable that the kids won't necessarily mean the kids as well. They don't have, like, you know, the experience and age and all that that hardens people to that. So it's understandable they won't do that. Mm -hmm. But that's, again, why I'm saying it's in kind of conflict with the whole necessity of drama. Yeah. And not criticism, of course, because I think Saren Zemaya, as episode five, very clearly evidence, is very good at delivering, you know, gut-punching drama. Too good. Yeah. Um, It It just felt very, you know, apparent to me how deliberate the show is in terms of here's a thing that we see here's mm-hmm. a thing that we and the other kids see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a good to keep in mind going forward i think for sure mm. um what did you think about uh toys sort of uh moral progression um from tiny child who was very much like Ah, uh, we shouldn't do bad things, you know. Upholding kind of traditional morality that was handed down to him by his parents, to kind of shifting a little bit from that, and like obviously he had eaten based on the money like that his brother had gotten. If blood money, it like whether or not the brother got the food for him and he ate it, or he got it himself, like he'd been surviving a little bit, like kind of broke the seal on whether stealing is always bad or not. And then go a little bit more and you see like, well, you know, even if you do bad stuff, um, something good can come out of it. And that's okay. If the ends justify the means, if you get to buy the soba shop, 
and keep everybody mm. in business, maybe it's okay. Like maybe Nietzsche, Nissan is super cool because he did all this. He's like the best <laughs> guy. Um, and then all the way to like, uh, you know, it's okay to do like these um, things that people, a lot of people would find horrific um, to like protect who you care about and not even necessarily, I mean, you could argue it was self-defense, but no, like legally it would not be seen as self-defense. You know what I mean? Cause the kids sought them he out. He was scared. He was he, scared. Uh-huh. Yeah. The brother was not in any imminent danger. Um, legally speaking. I mean, we all know what would have happened to him, but yeah, the kid was uh toy was a lot more proactive and felt, you know, and still feels to the state justified it seems although we'll we'll see if that how much well, his I mean, resolve holds yeah. on that you know yeah well he says himself like you know that i will die or, or rather not I'll die sorry i'll kill you you know i'll kill you all so you know preserve my brother's secret mm-hmm. it was him that did it even though in his own way that actually doesn't really work because you think if he always protects his brother he would take the heat off him by putting the blame on himself but you know that's a discussion for a different day yeah, I don't think I can really answer this because the thing is, like, our moral compasses, like things that guide us in terms of deciding what is right and wrong, changes life. Our lives go on anyway. He's barely able to ride the fucking teacups at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. This is a lot to ask him to have a decided moral framework for how he approaches the world. Yeah, especially true. given all the events he's gone through. Mm-hmm. But I totally understand, like you know, on a very primal, familial level, why he idolizes his brother as he does, because. Who hasn't, like, if you've had an older brother or an older sister, someone of the same gender of you, and I'm not saying that as, like, you know, dismissive of, like, you know, people who, you know, got older sisters. I'm just saying, like, you know, in terms of, you know, same sex, like, older brother, older sister, older sibling, etc. Right. Who hasn't looked up to them in some way or another at that, some point or another? I think that in the right circumstances, where you've got someone like, you know, um, Jackie, who comes in... Cool and swaggering, like, you know, he's completely in control of himself. He understands the situation perfectly every single time. That you won't think to yourself, he's cool. I'm going to be like And I think that's part of what Toy is doing. I think he's passing himself after his brother. Not just because of the fact that his brother did that thing for him, where he took the heat for him and also bought the silver shop, but just because he's impressionable and feels that's the way he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Chiaki's principles seem to have served him adequately. They've worked for him, but, mm. you know, will will they work for Toy? Because Toy is not... Toy seems to be... How do I put this? He's kind of just inherited, like, bad people survive, uh, and if you if you don't do bad things, you perish. And if you perish, you're forgotten, and that's the worst thing because no one gives a shit about you. So the best thing you can do is be bad and, and survive. He's inherited all that, um, but like, will that adequately serve his needs going forward? I wonder. Mm. I, I'm not sure. Well, if I want to, given I've already had at least one right call out on the show, I'm going to make another. Here's the thing, right? It's all well and good to have like relationships that you can feel strongly about, that are, you feel are good for you. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to leave things behind. 
sometimes you know it's better to burn the forest down so you can replant it rather than let it become overgrown and you know decrepit rotten mm-hmm. so consider all the characters that we know of consider you know enter's obsession over kazuki i said before that enter you know crushing on kazuki might potentially be a thing that he gets over because while he affirms his sexuality it's not necessarily that he will always want that person it'll be a building block on him coming to understand that that's right 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 with with toy maybe he'll recognize that his brother is not the you know the how do we put it i should know this term off the top of my head but i don't because i'm a moron basically the the, the, the center of the universe <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the inspirational figure that he is—that mm-hmm. he can be different or better than him. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, he gave him—he gave him a start, certainly, and that can't be, you know, forgotten. Even despite the context which occurred, he could move on and grow beyond that. And in turn, with Kazuki and Haruka, like he obviously feels a great amount of blame or self-loathing because of what happens to Haruka, which I don't understand. Like in the issues, I'd feel exactly the same. Yeah. But there's a certain point in which he has to, you know, go to himself. I, I will move on. And that's not to say that he will never interact with Haruka again, but rather that he can, as I say, burn that prepit rotten forest down. Start fresh. Maybe yeah. that's what Saren Samai is going for in here. That, you know, the things that we built up all this time, that, you know, the relationships we have, the status quo that we've got, should be torn down to be rebuilt as something new and something better. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, that's you could definitely you could make that case with Enta for sure. You know, because he's he's longing for, you know, the golden the golden combi of the past. You mean the golden balls? Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's longing for it. Uh, the golden back. balls, right? Um, I love it when he, he put his balls on my chest. Um, was that like a Peter Crouch quote? I think <laughs> I love it when Beck splits his balls on my chest. Meaning he passes it to him right in the chest, but we just know what it really means. <laughs> we're, walk, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think your theory would hold water in Inta's case for sure. Um, interesting point. I thought uh, Emily Rand made on her blog, um, looking at Kazuki's relationships with the other two boys in his trio, um, contrasting it with. His re- contrasting his relationship with Enta and his relationship with Toy, like the the new kind of burgeoning relationship with Toy, um, versus Enta and the fact that like, you know, you might assume it'd be easier for him and Enta to get on and reveal things to each other and uh, have like share moments of closeness and revelation, but it's actually seems to be easy for Kazu to do that with Toy because they don't know each other. Because you don't have yeah. those, like, associations kind of weighing it's things true. down. You know it, what I mean? It, it, it is absolutely true. There are people I am very close to in my own life who there are things I would not talk about. And that's not to say that I'm hiding some sort of deep, dark secret where it turns out I'm like the Buffalo Bill of Clifton. Uh, please, don't report, please don't dox me, folks. Please don't swap me. Uh, but... <laughs> I, I totally get that. Like, the closer you get to someone, like, the more you feel afraid, not necessarily revealing something, but more the consequences of that revelation. The risk. Because yeah. you've, you've got more to lose. Like, if, you know, Kazuki reveals something to Toy, like, you know, about some of the shit he's done as a Susasara or whatever, 
he's some random. He's a dude I met through meeting a cat, I know it sounds strange. Point being, he could disassociate himself because it's just a random thing. Just a bartender. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly, just a bartender, just a chill stingray. Mm-hmm. So, whereas Enter is someone he's known for a lot longer. That's why it's different. That's why, again, totally get that. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship, but I think we could talk more about Toy and Kazuki when we get to episode five. But okay, so for four, um, remind me. So I'm. This is I, I can lose the thread on very basic ideas that have been established in the show very early on because I haven't thought about it in a while or it hasn't mm-hmm. been reinforced. So the dishes. So what are they and what is their function exactly? They're wish granters? Right. Um, I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to guess that not one of the kids actually gets a wish granted after the one we saw in the first episode. Right, right. Here's the thing, right? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think that's very plausible. Here's the thing, right? Um, I know this doesn't sound like a strange thing to bring up, as I often want to do on this particular podcast. But let's talk about Bruce Off Mighty for a moment of all fucking. What the f Okay. No, all no, right. bear with me. Bear with me this right. So here's the thing, right? Bruce Almighty, fairly ear comedy with, you know, known anti vaxxer Jim Carrey. Who gives a fuck about him? My point is though, there was a lesson that came at the end of that from, you know, would be God Morgan Freeman, and it's stuck with me ever since. And he says this right. Miracles are something you shouldn't pray for, miracles are something you should make for yourself. And I found that very poignant, even as a kid. Because you can be there praying every night. You can be there, you know, gambling on the lottery, for example, be the plot point in Bruce Almighty. Right. You know, for money. Or you could take actual, genuine action to, you know, improve your lot, to, you know, do the things that you want to do, to make things happen. And indeed, that's the thing that happens in Bruce Almighty again. So that stuck with me after the fact, and I think that might very well be the case here. Because let me ask you a question, Doc. Okay. If you're Haruka and you get the necessary dishes of hope, be it gold, silver, bronze, whatever. Sorry, not Haruka, I mean um, Kazuki. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to do what's necessary, to do what you want to do. What would your wish be? What would your wish be? Shoot. Oh, man. If I was Kazuki, uh, I would probably wish. Oh, that my brother could walk again. Or either that or that I had gone with my birth mother from the beginning and maybe that changes time such that Haruka didn't even show up to the train station or didn't have that confrontation, and so didn't get pushed indeed. into that. So you could do a two-for-one. Yeah, indeed, that in itself could be a dilemma on how you expend that wish. <laughs> but let's say you didn't have that wish, and you, you know, what do you, as a viewer, want Kazuki to do? Spend more time with Haruka. Actually be the brother he should be. Yes. That's not happening. No. But the thing is, the power to do that lies in Kazuki's hands not accepting the fact that he's in a Kappa form right now, but let's just talk generally here. That power is in his hands right now. I already explained previously how he could solve that instantly by taking football again. Like, 
I said that he would probably drop the Azusa Sara persona and the dress up if he knew just because they talk to each other, mm-hmm. you know, about how Haruka just wants to see him play football. The fact that they're still using the same phrase, and by the way, again, like, you know, Azusa Sara, you know, saying that same phrase, like, you know, we're connected to the circle. Mm-hmm. Whoa, fuck. But that's my point. Mm. Going back to the Bruce Almighty thing. Rather than wait for wishes to come true, rather than wait for these dishes of hope to come through, to come true, to become a thing, take action now. You've got all the tools in front of you to make them happen, and I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying it'll be simple, but you can do that. And maybe that's the lesson that's going to teach us in the end, similar to that. And that's why I still like that film, even though it's ultimately a kind of forgettable comedy, because it at least had a good lesson behind. Yeah, uh, that that'll be interesting to see how that sort of yeah like take agency in your own life, how that figures in with the Capazon boxes and the Otter Empire, like sort of uh, I mean, controlling everyone's desires and things like that. Like how those things mesh if they can. I mean, think of it this way, right? Let's just talk pure numerics here. How many episodes are there in Sirens of Mine? I think there's only 10. 11. I think just 11. 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Kepi's only been doling out silver dishes, and I think they've only had two or three of them so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the maths alone, not all of the kids are going to get their wishes granted by him anyway. Yeah. And that's why I feel more strongly about that being the thing that they realize in the end. Not least of which is also the Kepi's, like, you know, controlling colossal dick shit, but there we go. Mm-hmm. So. So, the reason I asked about the dishes is just to contextualize in my head. Um, do you think it is worth comparing the the two boys offering dishes to the other? Um and looking at those, how they're similar, how they're different. And by the way, I think if Toy, I think if Toy offers a silver dish to someone else to enter, I guess to complete the circle, that's going to be like a huge fucking moment in the show because <laughs> he's been established as the one who will not, who will not let them go. But uh, the other boys have, and enter out of like a kind of a. Misplace is not the right word, but but he's he appears to like be try. I don't know. He it appears to be more selfishly motivated than Kazuki's. Kazuki, when he offers his, it just seems like the lights kind of gone out or the flames kind of gone down. I guess a little bit on his desire, and he's like, "Wow, toy, you've really been through some shit. <laughs> like you need this more than I do." Um, <clears throat> Were there any other differences or interesting similarities that you thought about in terms of their the dish sacrifice? About the only thing I can say is I think that it's very easy for people to be self-sacrificing. Like, you know, I, speaking of myself here, like, you know, I'd probably be like, no, you need this more than I do. How many times have you done that in your own life, for example? I'm sure mm-hmm. the people in the audience can relate to that as well. I can understand why Toy wouldn't, because his ultimate, you know, worldview has been built up by his brother, which is you know, the strong survive and the weak do not. And he mm-hmm. sees that in Enter and Kazuki as being the weak ones. So, I think that, like, it's just this weird relationship thing where 
well, not even weird, really, but more like, you know, how things are mapped out, where they feel that kind of way. Because I won't, I won't worry about it too much in terms of, like, similarities right now. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's understandable, you know, like, when we get the, you know, the whole genie and lamp thing, that maybe we don't necessarily think about ourselves firstly. Mm-hmm. Unless we do. But as Saren Zemai has shown, because you've just talked about it, sometimes not thinking about yourself can be bad in its own way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Toy, Toy is the guy who thinks about himself all the time with his dish. You know, if he got the dishes, it'd be free. And you're giving them to me. And if you're arguing, if you try to argue against it, I'll cut you over a ruler. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Enter and Kazuki are like, they're giving their dishes away for various reasons. But arguably, if they could fulfill their wishes, I mean, in their benefit, and I talk about it's like as someone is looking from the outside here in terms of like, you know, making them better people than to keep them. So maybe the lesson here is, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, like giving away all the time, you know, being that kind of altruistic is the right way. Maybe there's a middle ground. Yeah. In fact, this makes me think of something else. And again, it's time for Shader's obscure reference time, so buckle up, folks. Uh, let's talk about Knights of the Old Republic 2. <laughs> oh, while you talk about KOTOR 2, I have to step out for a brief moment, but I'll be right back. Please Go continue. <laughs> so, KOTOR 2. Uh, I'm not going to bore you all with details about the plot, but suffice to say, there's a moment in which your PC, your player character, meets a beggar. The beggar asks for money. Simple as that. There's nothing too you know, complicated about it. There's nothing too out there about it. And you've got three choices. You can either give the beggar money, ignore them, or threaten them with violence. Now, if you know anything about Star Wars, you can probably guess give money is the light side. Middle is, you know, the neutral term. And, you know, violence is the dark side. Simple as that. But, as the events unfold, you give, if you give money to that beggar, he gets robbed later by two different people. So it just goes to show that even then, you know, this altruism, this, you know, I'm going to do things, I'm going to do right by other people, I'm going to be self-sacrificed, I'm going to give them something that I own materially that will make their lives better, is not necessarily a good thing. It's like the old phrase of, you know, teaching a man to fish. Like, you give a man, give a man a fish, they'll feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll feed him for a lifetime. So that's why I think in this case, you know, Sarans and is telling us, okay, you know, these kids could do a lot of great things with these wishes if they wanted to. They're trying to give them away or trying to keep them or hoard them, necessarily. But neither of these things are necessarily good in their cases. In Toy's case... I would argue it's probably best that he, you know, disconnects from his brother, to use the terminology of the show. Because his brother, like, while doing the familial thing for him, you know, taking that fall for him, and it is indeed something that is quite, you know, quite important to him. Let's, you know, think of, like, you know, all those various, you know, fairy tale stories. Uh, Doc's just arrived, so we have to re-educate the context. So, Doc, just to pick it where we left off. Um... So let's talk about Corsair Soup. I'm now going to move on to fairy tale stories very quickly. Okay. You, so you have read Sleeping Beauty, or at least have watched the Disney film of it, I assume. And you know the basic plot. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so Sleeping Beauty, kiss, kiss by Prince at the uh-huh. end, and they marry and they're happy ever after. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. Why did they do that? Because of a sense of obligation to the rescue or the person who saved them? You know, that's not that's not right when you examine it on paper, is it? That they should go so far 
be so closely knit with that person just because they did them that thing. That doesn't mean they don't show them gratitude, of course. Mm -hmm. But there's a middle ground. And so I think Toy, while obviously not doing the same thing exactly, is in a similar boat where particularly bear in mind that he's only a kid and doesn't have, you know, again, the maturity of age or wisdom or experience. He feels like, you know, a, a sense of gratitude, you know, almost fantastical gratitude to his older brother for doing that for him. And again, not saying that he shouldn't feel some sort of gratitude at the very least, because his brother did a great thing for him. Yeah. In, I mean, awful thing, but great thing nonetheless by taking a for him, and potentially being killed as a result. But that doesn't mean that Toy is beholden to him in a blood debt that means that he will suddenly evaporate into the mist if he doesn't do it. He has his own life to lead and his own, you know, personality and, and worlds develop. They all three feel beholden to someone else very deeply. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you've got, as you said, Toy to Chiaki. You've got Enta to Kazuki and Kazuki to, like to Haruka and also to his kind of own sense of guilt like um and yeah they're just willing to do to transgress all these you know un uncrossable moral thresholds so to speak mm-hmm. to preserve that relationship to like keep the facade going to like to, to eke out a little bit more hope that something might go their way. And that was one of my next talking points too, is like, when, when does that kind of justification end? Do you know what I mean? Like, because, but let me, cause like you were saying, you know, that, that kind of gratitude, like what's the end of it? Like what, what, what kind of obligation is right to expect from something like that. I don't think that's anything you can really answer broadly because it's going to vary from situation to situation, person to person. But here's the thing, bro. I think that in Toy's case, we certainly need more context because we know his perspective. He wants to be close to his brother. He wants to live with him. I've seen episode four. But his brother's keeping him at arm's length. But do we know why his brother's doing it? Because I can think of two reasons off the bat why he's doing it. One, that he's trying to protect him. That's what he said at the beginning, I think. And and maybe that's legitimate. Maybe that is genuine. Or maybe because he can't be asked with, you're a burden on me. Fuck off. You go, you know, look off. You go, you know, live in the attic in the sober shop. Do the P5 lifestyle. I don't give two fucks. This is what I mean when I say that, like, he's he's even more similar to Inta than he can see. Mm. Because they both have people that are pushing them away. <laughs> Absolutely. And as for Enter, like, you know, he's beholden to Kazuki, but in some way he's actually taking Kazuki's place as Haruka's, like, you know, yeah. older, like, you know, he's taking him out to the fucking family. I know. And just and with the family, spend so much time with that family, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, try and belittle people I say as well. Like, you know, he's taking someone who's wheelchair bound. That is a, you know, demand on you. So, you know, it, it requires a level of effort and investment. You can't go wandering off. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything like that. And Enter's doing that in space of, you know, the a- actual fucking older brother, be it biological or found family, whatever you want to fucking call it. So, 
I mean, this is the thing that I love about Sarah's and Mike, now that we've, like, five episodes in. Like, there's shades and layers to all of the mm-hmm. relationships. I mean, it's easy if you watch the first two minutes of episode four, for example, right, Toy's brother, Jackie, as a fuck, an uncaring, soulless bastard who just murders people for shits and giggles and, you know, could not give less of a crap about his brother than the excellent on his boot. Simple as that. But then you watch it and you realise, look, he has done, is doing dubious shit. But he clearly cares for his brother because he, you know, basically martyrs himself in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Protects him. Yeah. And life, and life really put them into a fucking corner. You know? <laughs> it, yeah, it, it put them through the blender. And enter, like I said before, yeah, he's done some, you know, less than tasteful shit in terms of you know, playing a wooden instrument nice one and so you know you clearly didn't watch you know you're clearly not as savvy as you is that, should that's be. uh that's inta's twitter display name is less than tasteful shit <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> but like i said before when it comes to his sister the cat the person in his life who he you know probably could feel quite envious and mm-hmm. even you know despondent about like oh fuck you if something happens to her fine karmic destiny all that then he still jumps into the line of fire to save her. As for Kazuki, I mean, well, his complexity is bare boat, like, out there. I mean, he, how, how, like, let's, let's break this down. He's an adopted son. The first adopted son. I mean, let, in fact, let's even boss down further, right? This is this is speculation, really, because this is one of the criticisms I have of this particular episode. In that we don't know enough about Kazuki's adopted parents to actually draw genuine conclusions about his disillusionment with them, because he seems to dislike them in some respects. But we don't know how they've treated him throughout the years. I mean, in the run-up to episode five, I thought to myself, "Why is he here, Harakon?" And going with the lifelong theory that has now been disproven, I thought. Well, it's understandable, you know, if you have a kid who is paralyzed, that they would get more attention than the kid who is not. That doesn't make it right, doesn't make it fair, it doesn't make it equitable, but it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Now, that out of the way, I then ask myself, okay, why does Kazuki feel so disconnected from his parents? Or rather, his, you know, adopted parents? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the show should probably establish this by now. Is it because... Uh, Harakon's taking all the attention that can't be true because it must be relatively recent it's because of the fucking grandfather <laughs> right your mother was a sloppy was woman <laughs> I'm ge- I mean I'm generally surprised he didn't flip him off when you know they when he was like dying because he knew that Rick and Morse was assessing they couldn't like you know, like this like I can't sort the finger out come on man what People doing stuff to kids in the show. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I hope that funeral wasn't open casket if he did flip them off as he was dying. I know. That would have been So, uh, can we, before it passes out of my view too much, um, Tallulah Bell in chat said, this is a slight change of subject, and we can get back to what you're talking about. I just wanted to address, she says, I don't think Toy wanting his only family member to be in his life is just out of obligation. I don't think he should just cut his brother out of no, his life. No! I don't think, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I don't think we meant to say that. I think, I think to put it clearly, what I meant to say was when you burn the forest down, to follow my analogy before, 
you regrow it. You start again. You don't walk away from it. You don't leave it behind entirely. But sometimes part of being friends, uh, family, lovers, partners, you call it, is sometimes realizing that you need to rebuild framework on which your relationship works. That's a really good way to put it, right? I mean, it's like you go from kind of, well, we were born together to realizing, like, I can choose who I spend my time with and who I love and who I care about. We got this foundation of time already there, so that's, but, but why else do I, why else do I care about this person? Why else do I love this person? Why else do I want to be with this person? And yeah, yeah, that you have all that. And I guess, like, how are we talking about obligation with it? I guess just in terms of, like, the life he's choosing to lead in terms of, like, being a a criminal and carrying a gun around, like, I don't know. Um, uh, Where was I trying to go with that? I fucking can't remember. God damn it. Um, Shit. Basically, just echo my point earlier. Like, I'll just repeat it that, like, um, at, w- at what point, you know, uh, uh, does, uh, the gratitude that he has for, uh, the kind of what his brother did for him go from good for him to, like, bad for him? That's the only well, thing I wanted to point out. But, but, that, anyway. I, that, no, that, that is a fair point because in the context of the show, like, you know, since the start of the show and not carrying the flashbacks like Toy's behavior apart from the fact that he's torturing well that was his brother admittedly and he was watching if I recall correctly mm-hmm. like he's not doing anything too untoward Mm-mm. it's giving him confidence and all that so that's something I yeah. suppose mm-hmm. I don't know maybe yeah. this is another thing that might be a little bit flawed in the show and like that maybe you know if you really peel it away and just boil it down to the basics that you know, Toy is actually not seemingly in a bad state in his life right now. I don't know. Maybe this will be something that gets unveiled more in time. But yeah, like, I think that, you know, I again really appreciate the show for its complexity of its layers upon which they're all built. Because that's how life works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as simple as, you know, this is my sister and I've, you know, known her from, you know, the day I was born and I loved her to death and all that. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be little things bumped in the road, things that texture that relationship and mm-hmm. make it more complicated. Yeah. Speaking of complicated... And... Oh, no, nope, nope, sorry, go ahead. I don't oh, want to interrupt no, you. No, I'm done, I'm done. carry okay. on. Okay, complicated relationships. Speaking of, why, in your opinion, does... Kazuki envy toy. Well, I think that's fairly pun dry, which is that if Toy wants something, he can take it. And I'm not saying that Kazuki doesn't and can't take it, but rather, like, I think that it's a question of, you know, the will to do so. Yeah. I mean... If Toy wanted anything he wanted in the world, because given the fact his brother's shown him because of the thing that he's done, he'd probably do that. Mm-hmm. And yes, Kazuki did end up stealing that cat. And yes, he's doing the thing where he's cross-dressing as Azura Sarah. I get that. But even their alliance, he will not. Do. 
And so maybe he's, you know, reflecting on what Ty's done, given the light of, you know, episode four, and thinking, wow, I've done some shit. I can cross some boundaries. But could I? I will never cross that. I'll never be as, you know, free, yeah. quote unquote, and unrestrained as he is. Yep. I think that's huge. Because I feel like what 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 I took away from the episode was In that. fact, yes. question for you, just to interrupt oh, very okay. quickly. Go ahead. Maybe this will be a poll as well. Given the circumstances, if he couldn't kidnap Azusa Sarah but could instead murder her, would Kasky do it? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. Um... That might that might be a lot more complicated than he's willing to take <laughs> something that, that he's willing but, to take on. But that that answer alone speaks volumes. Hmm. Mm. Um. Oh, what were we just talking about? By the way, um, yeah. Why does he envy him? He's free, right? Because well, yeah, yeah. yeah, but because um, yeah, like Kazuki is just a prisoner of his own making and like and 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 when he decides to not go with his birth mother and then i guess changes his mind later we'll see how that plays out like you could tell in that scene kind of how he was relating like the body language and the acting and and the way he was talking and the look in his eyes like he really felt a connection with her, like, oh, like this is special, like, yes. But then he had to pull back, you know, because he's like, ah, I have this obligation. Mm-hmm. I have this obligation to Haruka and my other family. And that only continued to grow mm-hmm. after Haruka's accident. Like, now he's he's totally, like, a prisoner of that. Um and he's like a prisoner now of this second life he's made to uh, to create, like you said, distance between himself and the situation to yeah. to kind of uh, sort of pacify his own anxieties and fears about it. Yeah, I don't think he feels free to do particularly anything. Um, I think, I mean, he feels like he has to punish himself and keep punishing this, himself. Yeah, because yeah, he said himself he's... He said himself in the first episode he was messed up because he was doing that cross-dressing. Yeah. So clearly this is not something that he necessarily enjoys for his own sake. I mean, again, with the massive fucking caveat that I am a, you know, cue ball looking cishet motherfucker who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I don't get the I or the impression that this is a dysphoria kind of thing and that he might potentially be leaning into, you know, change gender anything like Again, talking out my ass because I don't know what I'm talking about because of my inherent attributes. But clearly, from what I understand from what I've seen in the show, he doesn't like doing that. Given the circumstance, he wouldn't do that. He may he may like it, but I don't think he would have. It's like, now that he's doing it, he might like it, but he probably didn't like the idea of it. I don't know. Who knows? It's a speculation. Well, um, well here's, here's the thing, right? I just want to speak very briefly about the direction again. So when Kazuki loses the wig, I thought this was genius, actually. I thought this was absolute genius in terms of how it displayed him as a person. Because he essentially has been living two lives. He's been living the mm-hmm. life of the Akazusa Sarah as himself. 
And when he stood in front of Kevi's shrine, that's when he becomes the gestalt of them too. Right. We see a man divided between two identities. Hmm. And bear in mind what happened in episode four with him echoing the Deesh mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Adding them at the end. He was very natural at that. He really inhabited the character, which yeah, I loved. Exactly. I loved him like going up and hugging Toy and saying Deesh, like really just being Sarah. <laughs> that was great. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, I appreciate the complexity of which that's being delivered. And at the same time, like, you know, sorry, I lost my train of thought. This is why I get for drinking vodka. This is happening a lot on the stream. Sorry, everybody. We can't Ooh. keep our, our ideas straight. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, like, no, I really, I really like that element that, you know, he clearly visually displayed him as a kind of, like, split personality kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And who could say if that'll be resolved in? In fact, that's the thing I was going to predict as well. Throwing this prediction out there, final boss, quote-unquote, of this particular show will be Azusa Sarah. Could, yeah, could very well be. Well, think of, it, think of it this way. Think of it this way. Who's providing all of the uh, material, so to speak, quote-unquote, for the Ossipops? Azusa Sarah. She's the root cause of it. Would seem that way, yeah. So she's removed. Then, obviously, you know, they can't have their desires fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and no no, temp, also, no desire template set for everyone else, yeah. you know. And if she were raised in the same manner as, say, you know, the rest of the characters who were caught by the Arcops, like, Azusa Sarah is, at least for Har- Haruka and Kazuki, the thing that binds them together. Mm-hmm. The barrier, even, that they put between each other. Yeah. So if she was gone, that would bring them together. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, and you think about like the implications for this show if Sarah were to go away. Like, what is everyone supposed to desire? And what does that well, then say about like, yeah. <laughs> what does that say about uh, if you know? Clearly, I think this is meant to be in some sense a mirror of reality. And so, what is it? What is it saying about about us and our our own society and such? Yeah. So we're getting back to Kazuki envying Toy and and the freedom. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I guess you could say, like, <laughs> oh, uh, Kazuki doesn't leave because Haruka would be upset. But like, what evidence is there to show that like he cares that much about that? You know, what I mean, like, he's even said he said like, oh, I do this charade with the Sarah thing. It was really for me. I hate Haruka. He's clearly deeply resentful of Haruka. I mean, at one point when they were younger, I think he had a like kind of a more healthy, loving, conventional relationship with him. And then after after the fucking old man died, and he learned he was adopted, like that threw all that into a tailspin, and he it's colored the way he's seen everything like haruka is mom and dad's real kid and i'm the fake kid like it yeah. created that distance there and you know that resentment has only continued to grow and i mean it's like it reminded me some of like um you know like when you're 
So my mom had to take care of my grandmother in her like later in life and my grandmother couldn't really do anything for herself and it's like one of those things where you you love the other person so you're going to do all this for them because you love them but the sacrifice and like the toll on your own mental well-being and all the time it takes can create some pretty deep resentment for the person that you're taking care of and i think that those kind of dual opposing feelings are at war in in Kazuki and not to mention like so on top of all that that you add the final element to the cocktail of Kazuki feels like he's the reason that Haruka has become paralyzed and he feels like I think the fact that no one will blame him or punish him for it makes him feel like almost like a weird dissociation with reality. You know what I mean? Because he's like, I obviously did it. I obviously should be punished. Why is no one punishing me? Like, why isn't why isn't this happening? This is what should happen. And it's not happening. And it just, I think, feeds into this disconnect he feels with everything in his life. And why he wants to punish himself. Um looking i don't know like what is he looking for i wonder like where like what what's the end point maybe there's not one <laughs> maybe it's just how he sort of sees himself living at the minute um it's hard because we're only halfway through the show and you want to round down and i think this is going to take a lot of soul searching on his part i mean this, the thing is the secret's out that's it. There's no turning that clock back. We, they will return to their human forms at some point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one has to ask the question: like, will the time between in which they, you know, between now and when that happens, be the time in which uh, Kazaki, le- you know, realizes or understands how he has to, you know, talk to Haragraph the facts? And I'm not saying they necessarily, you know, have the right answer. But at least he comes to understanding. It's difficult, man. Like, I don't think even they know. Yeah. And I, I think I think that, you know, the point which... The, I mean, it's like I said, you know, the whole Azusa Farrah thing disappearing. If she disappeared, it would make life a lot... You know, it would rewrite you know, life to be a lot easier for them. But I'm also of the opinion that maybe the thing that he needs to realize is that he can shed that skin that he's been wearing, that persona, that costume, and just be a fucking brother. He already made the decision, after all, to stick with that fake family, quote-unquote, his. And then maybe you turned on that because he's indecisive. Uh, not an under- not a, you know, ununderstandable thing yeah. for a mm-hmm. kid that age. Mm-hmm. You know, you flip-flop back and forth. I do all the time on serious stuff, yeah. and I'm, like, twice his fucking age. So, I know it's, it's... Basically, I think the answer to that question is going to be, watch more of the show, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Hmm. I mean, cl- like clearly at bottom, clearly at bottom, he's got some love for for Haru. He's got to. I I feel like you know, even though I was saying, there's that sense of obligation, and that's the chief reason why he stayed with his adoptive family. Mm. There's there's got to be more than that, but but I don't know if he believes that 
you know that that's the case because at some point in the show i think this near the beginning of this episode he says uh haruka and i are connected even though it's not real like i thought that was a really interesting line Hmm. like well it begs the question like at what point you know like i've said to you before like that in the promised Neverland, that fake experiences still have genuine value right Mm -hmm. so i can totally see for example a scene later on in this show's run where haruka in his own 12 or 10 year old or 8 year old way however old he is says okay look you did the shitty thing but you did it because you cared and that's fine Indeed, we even kind of got that with the fact that he was calling after him after the fact when he was running away. Yep. Mm-hmm. Still wanted to see him. Yeah. So maybe even, you know, this is the point where fake connections and, you know, false, you know, relationships or relationships that are labored under a fiction of some sort mm-hmm. still have value. Yeah, I think that would be a good, a good lesson. Like, not to undercut completely those kind of connections and experiences because those are increasingly becoming what people have and what's normal mm, indeed Absolutely. um so you've already talked about why you thought kazu lost to the kappa zombie and what was different so we've talked about that um Oh boy. Um Well I don't even want to know if I want to ask this next question I have. Do you have anything else in your notes? No, I'm good. Okay. Oh boy. I I don't feel like I said anything I wanted to say or came to any conclusions. The whole thing feels rather apparetic. Uh which is which is, I guess, fitting about a show well, this, regarding this is the thing about, things this is the thing about coming through tight doing openings. This. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pretend <laughs> you didn't pretend to be the TSA there, and I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, talk about something else instead. Which is say that this is the thing about doing this format. Like, we can talk week on week about it. We can understand as it from falls, but like more so than other shows, I think we've covered on stream before. Like Ikahara's like works, and this one in particular lends itself to allowing a gradual failing, like like mm-hmm. dismantling a, a Matrushka doll. Yeah, right. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much else to add than that. Um, so I suppose now is the time that we can rate the episode if we're up for okay. it. Are you, do you, do you yeah. want to anything else, Doc? No, we can, to... we can rate um, I guess. Uh, well, did your Come on, uh, you want to ask me a question? You want to ask that question? Try me. Well, did your this is a different one? Did your ranking of the boys change at all this these past couple weeks? If you had to rank the protagonists in order of best boydom, I'm just gonna provide the cop out answer on this one. Should say it's an apple to an orange to a lemon. <laughs> They're all fucked just in their own way. They are. That is true. Um. But they all, but but we can all see like why, or I guess we can all empathize to a greater well, or lesser that's it. extent. Like, you know, this this is like I said to you before. Like we have been given context on all of them, 
that leads us to understand even if I don't agree with their mm-hmm. actions. Like, I wouldn't agree, for example, with Toy murdering that guy. Not that Jesus. I can immediately yeah. think... Yeah, not that I can immediately think of, you know, when else says his solution. But it solved the issue nonetheless. So that's fine. Same with Enter, like I said previously. Clearly got some issues. Does some stupid shit. But comes through in the end for his sister in particular. Kazuki. His, you know, whole Azusa Seraphine is a very twisted form of love. Mm-hmm. For his younger brother, he would never probably explain it in those terms, but that is true. So, ultimately, I emphasize with all of them. I understand why they did it, why they did the very things they did. But that doesn't make them right. But as I've told you before, like I think that it's probably very, you know, understandable that people, both in real life and in fiction, fuck up before they do right. Especially, like, I mean, kids, right? Like, just bundles well, yeah. of emotions and hormones. Well, this is why <laughs> I said to you about things like Owner and all the various media that we talked about. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to forget that these are kids. Yeah. And they're kids younger than what we're used to in these shows, which is usually around the 16 mark. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for us as adults who have, again, the, the time... <laughs> behind us, you know, the wisdom and experience. Granted, I'm still kind of deficient. I am working on it. I'm working on it. Trust me on that. But, a- Ash, Links, being... Ash Links was 17. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> mm. Exactly. Exactly. So, my point being is that this is, again, another reason why I really like Sardis and Mike. Like, there are shows I've watched in my time, like both live action and animated, be it from east or west, where varying degrees they establish adequate motivations and reasons why the characters act as they do, even if they do horrible things. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. Like, it's not as simple as black and white. It's not as simple as, you know, this person good, this person bad. When this person great, when this person is great, and they're sat in the middle, and, it, you know, people can argue for days on end about whether they were right or wrong. That, to me, is the mark of good fiction. Mm. Yes. Um, I, I'm okay with I'm okay with some moral black and whiteness from time to time. There are, um, there are times and places for it, yeah. I will concede that. Maybe I was being too broad on the statement, but, yeah. So, we did forget, or I did forget, uh, in in chat here. Uh, oh my, Z- uh G. Uh, Zuer. Yes, talks about uh, the, the Haruka sashay and Haruka being a he, by the way. Um, that that he had, you know, at one point it was post credits where Kazuki was like, "Why does Haruka have?" A sachet that has mom's smell. What the fuck is happening there? <laughs> like, are they actually both adopted brother? Like, you know, there's. Yeah, I mean, who who knows where this could go? Right, this could go a million different places. But that was next time crazy. Sarns am I? Yes, as our as our anime soap opera turns. I mean, like, I need to do that in the Batman ninety sixty so, which is next time on Sarns am I. Wham. 
Yeah, that was craziness. I'd, uh, both both of the, the last post credit sequences I have not been prepared for, so I don't know what no. next week will have in store for us. We we will see. We will see. I, Our, I'm going to say Toy is my number one at the minute. For, for wow, the, the, the minute yeah, is yeah, the most... <laughs> I think easily the most, like I mean, and I I have empathy for all of them, but f- for me, Toy is like the most sympathetic. Mm. Um, I mean, he really does seem like uh, he's got you know, his hand was very forced. Yeah, his hand was so forced, and uh, mm. so so yeah. For for me, he's he's ranking at the top of the list. And then what does that say about into, the show where you feel that way though? <laughs> I know. And that's not criticism, by the way. That's me actually applauding it, mm-hmm. where the complexity of the characters and their personalities and their histories make you rank the guy who murdered another guy as the best person. Holy the, shit. The inverse relationship with the severity of the crime and the the human. Like, how you feel about the human. Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah, Alright, so let's... let's re- Let's rate the episodes anyway. Let's uh, send this home. Well, man, this is tough. Because mm. uh, I, I can lead it if you want. Okay. Well, I, I guess I like. I, I think I'll give them both like uh, four and a half, four and three quarters. Like they were both extremely good, extremely engaging mm. for different reasons. Like I loved everything about Toy's backstory and how it was presented um, and just to get to delve deeper into him. But also that fucking moment in episode five when Kazuki's sort of scheme was revealed to all like that his he as fraud was placed, you know, bare on stage before everyone. And I mean, that was just like a gut point. Like that's, yeah, to feel those raw feelings is like why I like watch things, like why I like yeah, stories. Exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. Uh, um, so, so for... yeah, so I'll give them give them four four point seven five um, uh, bathwater filled uh, soba bowls out of five. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna rate the episodes differently. I'm gonna give episode four, which is Toy's episode. I'm gonna give that. Four and a quarter uh, CG guns out of five. <laughs> and here's the thing, man. Like, it was a damn solid character episode. Mm-hmm. But it didn't lose its moments of levity. It didn't lose its moments of humor. Like, tonally, it flowed beautifully from one to the other. We've got moments like, you know, where you've got a family who have been destroyed due to, you know, unforeseen circumstances mixed with, oh, I'm a cross-dressing guy chatting with my friend who's a criminal and I'm going to flirt with him, and he's going to be embarrassed. And it never felt derogatory. It never felt forced. Mm. It, like, that's the beauty of the writing in the show. It just flows from one thing to another without being awkward. And I'm going to give the following episode uh, 4.5 managers locked in the toilet out of 5. And this is the thing, right? I again bring up the point I said before where I thought to myself... Why is Toy so bad this, at kidnapping? This, well, there's that. The chip that they had in their hand of, you know, Kazuki revealing or being revealed to Haruka that he has been cosplaying or pretending to be Azusa Sarah. When do you cash that in? 
20 gamble that moment. And for me, not only did they gamble it early, but it paid off so magnificently. I mean, we got to understand Kazaki's motivations more from this as a result. Be it through what he says to his fellows or what we see through the flashbacks. It was massively built up to. But at the same time, like I said before, the episode does not lose its sense of fun. I laughed my ass off at Toy trying to keep Azusa Sar under control. That was some good shit. Mm-hmm. That was slapstick. But it didn't actually come out of place, even when he's sticking fucking swords into her. Out of nowhere. That entire subsection of that scene would have been excised, and you wouldn't have lost any sort of sense of it, because it doesn't make sense, even in context. But it was super fucking good. And again, that's why I credit signs my fault. If I had one complaint, again, like I say, I just wish there had been more context delivered on the relationship between Kazuki and his adopted parents, because his dislike of them isn't anywhere near fleshed out enough to justify his dislike thereof. Right. Like, this is why I said before, like, if Karika's issue of paraplegia had been lifelong, I could immediately rationalize that in my own head as an audience member, Hmm. why that was. Because it's easy to understand why all the child would be, you know, hateful of a younger one who has a disability. Yeah. Not that makes it right. Right. Here's what we do see. I mean, we see, we see Kazuki putting distance between himself and his uh, adopted parents. We don't see them trying to close the distance at all, which I think is is telling. Um, That's true, but we have we, so we see little Haruka. time with. That's true. Yes, we have so little time with them that mm-hmm. I can't presume that's just be their default state. I don't know how they would have done it differently. And yeah, and I mean, there's you. You want to give your kids space at times. You you know, being mm-hmm. too involved and active and and all in their stuff is not the way to go either. Yeah, and on top of that, if it is legitimately the case that they were being neglectful to him uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, that's fine as far as narrative goes. Like you could do anything in a narrative. Like you can have characters do horrific things if it's in service of a story that justifies the action. So that, you know, being the thing is fine. But we spent so little time with the family beyond how it relates to Haruka specifically and not to Kazuki. Mm-hmm. But that felt lacking to me. But given how quickly we progress things, and again, I'm glad that Ikara cashed that chip in early. Yeah. So we can now... Because dig- as much as it would have been a thing to, you know, have Kazuki reveal to Haruka at the end of the show, that, oh yeah, I've been you know, pretending to be Zuzu Sarah, doing it early opens up a lot of opportunities going forward for good storytelling and good drama. Yes. Didn't... It's not... It, there's no clean win here. There's no five out of five answer. But I'm glad that they did what they did. Yeah, it... They could have treaded water. And mm. and it did. they didn't do that. Now, I feel like you've got probably two more, like, character episodes. Um... That you that you should I mean unless you want to go unless you want to do two character episodes per boy which I don't necessarily think they have to do like I, but I think you do need one for the otter cops at least one and mm. I think you need probably one for um the uh, the Kappas Kepi and Sarah um, if oh, not definitely. one each so like you got two or three there that you've got to take care of and then the other time you got to like 
maybe you could squeeze in more character episodes, but I think, I don't know, like, that's not that many more, that's not that much time left to, like, move the story forward to some sort of resolution, Mm. Um, which I guess has been the knock with the more recent Ikuhara offerings is that the landing might not have been stuck as well as um, the beginning and the middle parts. Um, But we'll see. I'm happy... I'm happy to see how though, because like these five episodes thus far have been all very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm willing to put my faith in it that they will stick with landing. Okay, we let me revisit Twitter really fast here before we sign off. So uh, can I just say I was visiting Twitter before, so you have a tweet out about if I was pissed by side of the street. That is true now, but at the start, not so. You still believed it, so thanks, folks. <laughs> and secondly, uh, the thing that made me chuckle was also get you know should we buy the bath? So basically. If you're new to Warrior Death Show, you probably think I'm some sort of unwashed, unvarnished <laughs> fucking hobo who spends his time out of a brown paper bag. And that's not true. I'm an unwashed, unvarnished hobo who drinks his spends time drinking outside of a stein. Get it right. That's right. It, it, details are very important to us here. So, <laughs> the polls thus far. Did Shadon start episode 4 or 5 stream drunk? Uh, you spelled drunk wrong, by the way. I saw that. It's spelled correctly. Turnt. Yeah, turnt. Turnt. Yeah. How's, what, what the fuck is turnt? <laughs> turnt that you're that you're pissed, right? That you're fucking. The... That you're wasted. That you're drunk. Um, oh man. Eighty percent so far in early days say you're turnt. Uh, should we buy Shadon? Should we hashtag buy Shadon a bath? Uh, now is leading early days with seventy-one percent. If that wins, I'm signing a GoFundMe. <laughs> you should. And uh, did you have to pause episode five when the shit really hit the fan? Right now, again, it's very early. You have a whole week left to vote. Uh, at Watery Desho on Twitter, uh, 83% say no, they didn't have to pause. In fact, they eat the drama. They eat it up like breakfast cereal in the morning. So uh, I will be voting uh, staunchly in the other camp later today for that uh and those are the polls indeed thank you everyone for taking part in those yep, yep. uh so uh, let's wrap up then um if you've already done so um feel free to subscribe to us on soundcloud on itunes on youtube mm-hmm. um this is the first time by the way i believe that we've been broadcasting both on youtube and twitch simultaneously so i hope you've all enjoyed it whether you know platform you might be watching it on yeah i saw uh, a person on twitch at the beginning but i haven't seen them in a while Hello. I think they, thank you. I think they migrated over. Okay. So uh, like yeah, I I'm going to the way I have chat now, I can't actually participate in it. So I I've been trying to address comments that have come up as they come up, but um I don't know. Maybe we'll work that out, maybe we won't. Who can say? <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um I just want to say, like, if you did enjoy this stream and you've enjoyed our other works, please do take time to leave us both a racing and a review on iTunes or SoundCloud with it. Forum, you get the chance to do so. Uh, it helps our discoverability. We would immensely appreciate Um But otherwise, to our audience, uh, thank you all so much for joining us this evening. For however long you may have joined us for, again, always good to have people of all stripes and colors, you know, like, come join us, you know, off their opinions. Um, mm-hmm. We will be back. Uh, it will not be next week, unfortunately, because I'm on a actually on a stag do next weekend. Oh, con- congrats! I guess. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in uh, Dublin, so I'm going to be okay. looking up to the clock. 
so probably the Monday or the Tuesday of the week after when we'll cover Sirens of My episode six. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed it anyways, and I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Doc? Yeah, just a, a future plug. Um, so uh, this past weekend I recorded with uh, our favorite podcast buds, the Anime is Lit duo, mm. uh, Danny and Kay. Uh, Big shout out to them. I like I got to I got to do uh, the interview ride with both of them, mm-hmm. and also with um, Embrace Concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bethany, I believe the name. Uh, I'm going to remember her name, and she's probably going to stab me for that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I'm so glad that both of them are getting back into doing podcasts because they are some of the smartest and kindest people in the anime podcasting circles I know. If you're not subscribed to them already, I'm going to bitch slap you side of the face. You really sort should. your life out. Subscribe to Anime is Lit. Listen to their stuff. They're both fantastic. Yeah, including that Magus Bride show. Um, this will be the fourth time that at least one of us has teamed up <laughs> with them to do a show. Uh, it was us three and Mark uh, from Ono oh Anime. Um, Shout out to Mark. Who is a super cool guy. Uh, we talked about Mob Psycho 100 and 200. <laughs> so thank you. I'm glad you came. I did. I did. <laughs> like, um, so if you want to hear our thoughts about that, like, it was very deep dive into the whole thing. Like, I was, I mean, we were talking about production stuff. I was talking about like Martin Buber and sketching his. <laughs> existential theory on top of mob psycho we were talking a lot about reagan is reagan good is he bad who can say we talked about reagan the sex symbol uh we were all over the place so like look was out it, for was that was it Eugene Sylvester who came up with that no i i can't remember but it was an anime news network person um who i think coined the phrase but uh but boy, um, I had so much fun. I don't know when it's going to come out. Like, the raw recording is like five hours. So, uh, but just, you know, that'll be in our feed and that'll be in the Anime is Lit feed. I would say subscribe to that. Subscribe to both uh, and, and get that. Uh, also, thank you, Poke Emblem. Um, I have not seen you around before, but thank you for the compliments on our, on our, thank you. our humble pod. Uh, hopefully we can continue to deliver the nice podcastness for you in future. Um, Indeed. I think that's all. Um, I think that's all I got. Um, I hope, you know, we're potting on a Friday, which I always love. I hope everyone has a lovely Mm -hmm. weekend. Indeed. So, uh, whatever you may want to do this weekend, folks, uh, stay safe, look after yourselves, have a cracking time. Uh, We will indeed be back. Uh, We'll catch up with you all uh, on Twitter. We'll let you know when we're back out again. Check out the polls in the meantime. Check out our previous show. Drop us a review or a like if you get the time. But until then, until next time, of course, as we're always very fond of saying here on this particular show, embrace everyone, the ends of the universe. Fucking great night. (laughs) 